0: Oh, nerds
1: and junior ambassadors, boys and girls of all ages, we're nerds and uh, we're pretty proud of it. You're entering the Nerd United Nation's podcast.
0: Never apologize for being nerdy.
2: All things geek are up for grabs.
0: Because unnerdy people never apologize for being assholes.
2: Here's your Ambassadors, Melissa Nicholson and Jared Boots.
1: Hello, Junior Ambassadors, nerds and nerdettes of all ages, and welcome back to Episode 2, 2021 of their Nerd United Nations podcast. And tonight, we're going to talk about one of my favorite cartoons of all time growing up, 90s cult classic cartoon, The Critic. I'm your host from the Midwest United States, Jared Boots. With me, as always, is my co-host to the Great White North of Canada, Miss Melissa Nicholson. Melissa, how you doing?
0: I'm doing well. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm ready to talk one of my favorite cartoons of all time. How about you?
0: I'm ready to talk about it with it being my first time seeing it, so I'm excited.
1: That should be fun, and I got us this very special guest too.
0: Oh yeah, who's the yeah. special guest?
1: <laughs> well, all the way from uh, Dark Tower Radio, Jeremy Lloyd. Hey, Jeremy, are you ready to boogie with Baby Thirty Seven tonight?
2: I heard that you can say your name backwards, Jarrett.
1: Darjoff. <laughs> I,
2: I, I was sitting here. I was, I was sitting around today trying to think like, Oh man, like what, what are the opening quotes where, what are we going to drop for the opening quotes of this show? <laughs> There's so many to choose from. And I was like, it's gotta be a Franklin quote. It's gotta be right.
1: Well, he's the, he's the best character in the show. <laughs>
2: It's always a toss-up between him and Duke Phillips for me. <laughs>
1: yeah, Duke is a good one.
2: <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. I, I this is my first time coming on here with you guys. I, I listened to the show. Uh, I know my my fairly regular co-host guy Milks has been on here with you guys a couple times. So uh, I, I'm happy to happy to join you guys and support a fellow podcaster.
1: Well, we're happy to have you and to talk. Uh, you're one of the I guess I'd say like the three amigos when it comes to referencing the critic on the Real Fans page, or, uh,
2: <laughs> Tim
1: Rooney, you and myself. <laughs>
2: hey, I, I feel like we're part of a special club and I, that's, that's fine with me. Like I, it used to bother me that not many people remembered the critic, but now I, I just feel even more special when I do find those people that are, that are fans of the show. So,
1: uh, Before we jump into it, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Well, I I I am a fellow podcaster. Uh, Like Jared mentioned, I I have my own podcast called Dark Tower Radio, which is a Stephen King centric centric podcast. Uh, We cover pretty much anything to do with Stephen King. Uh, It's uh, the subtitle for the podcast is the Stephen King podcast for all things that serve the beam and. uh, That's a Dark Tower reference, uh, if you're familiar with the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. And, you know, we cover movies, books, obviously, uh, you know, TV series, comics, you know, just anything in the world of Stephen King. Um, So, you know, you have to understand, like, I'm excited to come on here because I get to talk about one of my favorite cartoons of all time. And other than one episode of this series, it's kind of hard to get talk jay sherman the critic on dark tower radio so um (laughs) i'm excited to be here to to be able to talk about it um you know because this is a this is a show i i kind of grew up with i i remember um i remember watching it when it first aired uh but i really didn't become like a full fan of it until it started getting reruns on comedy central um you know, much like Futurama and King of the Hill and stuff like that on Adult Swim, um, was where I really discovered the show, and I became a huge fan of it.
1: Nice. So you're a you're a child of the mid early '80s like I am too, and uh I kind of grew up with the show too. But uh, so let's get right into you. You briefly shared your um, exposure to the show. Do you have anything else you want to add to that before? move on
2: uh yeah i mean i um i remember uh discovering it um and i i knew who john lovitz was uh just from snl um you know still my favorite era of snl was what we grew up with in the the 80s early 90s um you know the farley sandler you know that era um, so I, I recognize John Lovitz from that, uh, era SNL cause he was kind of a reoccurring cast member on there. He wasn't like, he just kind of popped in here and there on there. I don't know if you remember that, uh, Jared, but he would, he would have these random characters on SNL that he would come on and do. Yeah.
1: He was, uh, he played what Dukakis quite a bit. He played, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think he was the, I think he was the devil and then,
3: yeah.
1: uh, was it? Hanukkah Harry. And (laughs) I think his his main role was what, yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. That's the ticket. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and I remember he was, uh, I think he played, uh, was it Tonto, when they would do the uh, Frankenstein, Tarzan, Tonto, like Christmas carols or whatever uh, on there. (laughs) I know that's a deep cut, but... But he, uh, he, he has one of those voices that is instantly recognizable. So, I mean, and, and this character, the Jay Sherman character, I mean, we'll get into it, but he was obviously written for John Lovitz. I mean, you can't see anybody else playing this character. Um, so, I... I I've always been a fan of John Lovitz, and we were talking a little bit off mic about, you know, just, he, he doesn't have a whole lot of leading roles. Uh, this is one of maybe two, um, maybe three, if we're forgetting one, but, uh, you know, he's usually a supporting character, but he's always memorable in everything he does. Like you always kind of remember John Lovitz um, uh, when he, when he pops up in a movie or something. So, um, yeah. And this, this series, it, it's, it's one of those things that became very quotable. It came, became a second language for me and my brothers. Um, it was just, I don't know what it was. I mean, I know for a fact that I didn't get a lot of the jokes when I was younger watching this show. Um, as I got older, I think I have definitely had a bigger appreciation for some of the jokes, but even the ones that I didn't really get the punchline, I always laughed. I mean, I don't know if it was, it's something with the animation or the way the jokes were just thrown at you. Something about it. Like, even if I didn't necessarily understand the reference, I always laughed. It, it always got laughs out of me. Um, and it was, it's just one of those shows, like, I'm a Simpsons fan. I think most people are. Uh, but I, I, as I've gotten older, I, I, I do tend to gravitate more towards, like, Futurama, um, you know, The Critic um king of the hill was another one of my favorite uh animation shows um so i do i do have an affinity for these shows that Great granted futurama got brought back to life a couple times but these ones that didn't necessarily have long runs but they've had a lasting impact on me for sure
1: yeah said right there and you and it, it does have a great simpsons tie-in the critic does uh, mm. we'll get into that before we tie into it and also, maybe talk about Matt Groening's, for some reason, huge disgust for this show for some reason. but
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: But uh, Melissa, what about you? This is your first time watching this show. So one, me and Jeremy grew up with it. So we're both interested to hear what your thoughts are on this show.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um... It was it. it, honestly, it had me laughing from the start. Like the first episode was to me really hilarious. Um, But what I really liked was that it was very different and unique in itself. Like it didn't to me, it didn't seem like sort of usual, maybe more adult-oriented animated shows. Um, Very clever humor and you know some of the lines, and I'm really glad that. I've seen as many movies as I have now because there's so many references. Like they make reference to, you know, a lot of different movies and, and different actors and things like that. And it's like, okay, I'm familiar with them. So it's like, ah, this is, it's funny. And I can get the jokes and the lines and and the stuff that they, they refer to. And, um, yeah, I, I really, um, I, I enjoyed it from the start and, um, yeah so I, I think it's a it's a really great show and i, I kind of wish it would have lasted longer than it did it kind of sucks that it didn't um last very long because it could have gone on for much longer than it did
1: yeah well i think it probably fine there was like you started to lose some of the voice casts like uh, doris Grau, who was the voice of doris uh she ended up passing away not long after the show ended and then uh I think Charles Napier, who did the voice of Duke, he, I want to say he lasted until like the 2000s, I think. But, uh, we couldn't yeah, get, you couldn't get
2: there was kind of a who's who cast on there, too. I, even when I was researching, as big of a fan as I am, I had forgotten some of these people. But, like, um, uh, the actress that does Bart Simpson, um, she did, uh, the voice of, um, sister, sister, I believe. Yeah, Margo. And then, um, what is her what is her name um, uh, Christine Cavanaugh uh, I mean she is like that voice that you've heard in dozens of cartoons especially Nickelodeon uh, that she did uh, Marty's voice on the critic uh, Jay's son but she did I believe Chucky on Rugrats um, uh,
1: I think she's oblina on Our real monsters but she uh-huh. she is she's passed on since too that was really more yeah she passed on a few years ago. Which kind of, uh, She was Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, babe from the Babe yeah. movies. Oh, man, you just brought me down with that fact.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it took everybody by shock because I don't think she was very old either.
2: Yeah, but, and she uh, had such a distinct voice. I mean, yeah. even, even I think when I saw The Critic, I was like, I was like, I know that voice. And I was like, who is it? And I just started naming characters. And I'm like, that's the same voice as this character and this character. You know, so, yeah, she had such a recognizable voice.
1: Well, and then, uh, Russie Taylor, who also just recently passed on, who was the voice of, uh, Martin on The Simpsons. She was in, we'll get to that next episode of season two, but she was she'd go on to be in season two of The Critic. But uh, she was also Martin on uh Simpsons and uh I believe she was Minnie Mouse for the longest time, too.
2: Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah I'm I'm a, I'm looking, a bit of
1: a voice acting buff.
2: <laughs> well, I'm I'm looking forward to uh to uh when we do cover season two because I I feel like season one is like my my bread and butter, like that's the one I I've watched. The most, and I feel like that's the one that gets reran a lot uh, when it was getting reruns. Um, but season two, yeah, I mean, there's there's some different dynamics that they introduce in season two um, that I I I don't re I don't recall as much of season two as I am with season one. So I'll look forward to to revisiting those episodes.
1: But well, while we're on the subject of the voice acting, I've since I've dived. The, the talent on this show, I kind of nicknamed this show uh, Maurice LaMarche's Playground, because Maurice LaMarche... <laughs> I think I read on Wikipedia, he did, like, 20 to 30 ep- voices an episode.
2: Yeah, I, I believe it was the... I think it was the Dr. J episode in this season, where he did, like, almost everybody except for Jay. I mean, he did everybody else's voice.
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, Oh, well, he—he even beat out. He's Jeremy Hawk, and he beat out actual Australian actors to be the voice of the Australian guy.
2: <laughs> I I love Jeremy Hawk.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he's great. Well, well, we're getting we're getting uh we're starting to show our hands. Uh, we're starting to show our hand a little bit. So I'll, I'll give my I'll give my thoughts real quick here, and we'll dive into it. Uh, like, Jeremy, this is a show I grew up with. Uh, I kind of grew up with my father's sense of humor. So this is something me my father and my brother would watch. And we'd also watch The Simpsons along with this. And much like you, Jeremy, it's like... It's hard to find people that actually remember this show when you make a reference outside of saying it stinks to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and... I'm glad I found it, and I think I started I think I realized there was more fans of this show, and I started listening to Tim Rooney's our friend Tim Rooney's show uh, Anything goes when him and his friend Mike would uh reference it quite a bit, so that's when you're like other people do know this show, and uh it's something that was so near and dear to my heart that i think it was like, I can't remember how long ago I bought the show on d v d It was like twenty bucks at Barnes and Noble mm-hmm. I didn't care if I had twenty three bucks in my bank account like hey, twenty bucks buying it (laughs) worth it
2: (laughs) yeah i I was so excited when i I was like you when i saw it available on dvd in a box set. i was like i have to own that and even though it was i think at that time it was being reran on one of the channels i was like oh like i was it was like a (laughs) it was like my precious i was like yes (laughs) i own the whole thing on dvd i can watch it whenever i want
1: (laughs) As, far as one of the few DVD shows I have besides Daria of Cartoons from My Youth that I don't watch and watch and watch and watch over and over again until the discs are completely useless.
2: <laughs> Daria is another deep cut.
1: I, I do love me some Daria. <laughs> well, we could save that for another show, too. That's five seasons plus two movies. So that'd be a lot longer podcast. <laughs> but I'd be willing to do all that homework. <laughs> All right, so real quick, The Critic debuted January twenty sixth, nineteen ninety four, on ABC, but it had finished its statu- it had finished its run on Fox by the time season two ended, and it was created by Al Jean and I'm going to pronounce this guy's name wrong, Mike Rice Reese.
2: Yeah, I think it's pronounced Reese. I could be wrong. It's it's those those you see him in the the credits for the Simpsons. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well and
1: they were they, were they were they were they were runners when the Simpsons started to get good seasons three yeah. and four before they wore out their welcome but why they're starting to get good.
2: <laughs> so what I believe, you guys are, or, uh, believe uh, ahead, James, James I believe James L. Brooks was attached as well, wasn't he?
0: Yes.
1: Uh yeah, uh, he's an executive producer.
2: Okay. Sorry, not trying to steal your thunder.
1: <laughs> uh, no problem. <laughs> so, just jumping right in, if you guys are following along with us at home, we are going uh, episode by episode. We're going to briefly discuss it. At the end, we'll do an overall chat how we felt about season one as a whole. Um, I will be going episode by episode according to the DVD set. So, if you watch on Crackler on YouTube, it might be different get with the program it's worth the 20 bucks on dvd
2: <laughs> yes support it i mean definitely watch it at your leisure on youtube or crackle but go out and buy this thing and support it
1: <laughs> you'll not be disappointed i was able to watch all season one in one night i think i was talking was like oh, i watched it all in one night
2: <laughs> when i i had forgotten it was on youtube and i was like why am i watching all these ads on crackle when i could just watch it on youtube <laughs>
1: Well, I, I was uh, ad-free on my Crackle when I watched it last night. Oh, really? Yeah.
2: Maybe I need to get that. I, I keep getting ads on mine. So, and, and it's not like one or two ads. It's like six ads. And I'm like, I done forgot what episode I was watching by the time he gets back to it.
1: <laughs> uh, not mine, apparently. They didn't think I was worth ads. Like, this guy ain't going to buy anything. <laughs> He's only watching the critic. He ain't going to buy anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so episode one, just how original, simply titled Pilot. Uh, Jay is astounded when beautiful actress Valerie Fox takes romantic interest in him. Despite warnings from his best friend, Australian actor Jeremy Hawke, that dating actresses is extremely dangerous, Jay begins an affair with the luscious Valerie. So Jeremy, thoughts, favorite moments from this episode? <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, you know, being the pilot, you get introduced to kind of the formula of the show. Um, you know, Jay is in this. I, I think we should mention, you know, when this show came out. I mean, film criticism was like a, you know, it was it was a, it was a different thing than what it is now. I mean, you know, we're on a podcast right now. We're doing film criticism, but like back in the '90s, I mean, it was. It was something that was, you know, you had like sisko and Ebert, you know, those were the two guys that you thought of when you thought of film criticism, you know, it was, it was like this, I don't know what the word is for it, but it, it was like this, it was this career that, you know, you didn't really know a whole lot of people that did it, you know, and it was the people that did do it, um, you know, they were, they were almost like they were a celebrity in the onto themselves, you know, so, um, the show kind of plays on that, you know, with Jay Sherman being kind of the number three best film critic, I guess in this world, you know, behind Siskel and Ebert. Um, he has his own show called coming attractions. Um, and right off the bat, you know, you, you realize that the show, the movies that he's reviewing are almost like spoofs of, (laughs) you know, of movies that we know, you know, that are, that are actually real. Um, I'm trying to remember the ones that they mentioned in this episode that he did. Uh, uh,
1: the first one was Rabbi Pi with Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yes, yes. I think the other one was Home Alone Five.
2: Yes, yes. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that one. Yeah. So the Home Alone Five. So this is this is something I wanted to mention. Like um, I was going to mention it towards the end, but like one of the things I I really realized doing kind of a rewatch is like the critic was kind of like ahead of its time. Like, it really was, and I feel like maybe that was part of the reason it didn't last, but, man, you look at, like, what it did, like, the movie spoofing and stuff, it's like, Jay Sherman's worst nightmares in terms of movies are kind of a thing now, you know? Like, I was thinking about, like, you know, movies that are based on, you know, I don't know, like, uh, board games. Like, there's a Battleship movie. Like, that feels like something Jay Sherman would have spoofed on coming attractions, you know? home alone five where kevin's like 25 well macaulay colkin did like a alexa commercial you know like kind of spoofing like so i mean there's like a lot of jokes in this show that i feel like we're kind of ahead of their time you know and we're kind of living in this moment right now where it's like you feel like this show like jay sherman would be he would be poking holes in a lot of the movies that we get today um And especially like the way the movie industry is kind of portrayed in this, in this show, uh, we're kind of living that still, you know, this idea of like, Oh, you know, make this, the sequels that make money or, you know, (laughs) the remakes that nobody's asking for or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I I really like uh, the the introduction to the characters in the episode, you know, we get to meet Jeremy Hawk, who's going to be a main player uh, and Duke Phillips, uh, who's kind of a, Ted Turner kind of archetype in the show you know he's kind of this cowboy billionaire which I feel is kind of a play on Ted Turner I guess from back in the day that'd be Um, the best
1: I'd say best fit
2: yeah um so yeah I mean it's and right off the bat you get this is a different kind of show than you know like the Simpsons and stuff where you had like a family dynamic where This one's like your main protagonist is this divorced film critic who's, you know, he, he's kind of hard to root for in some ways. Like he's, he's not your typical protagonist. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think it was, I had forgotten that this was the pilot, um, until I did this rewatch and, uh, I, th- I thought it was a really strong introduction to the to the series and the character and you know just what he's about. Um, you get a lot of a lot of the catchphrases and things in this episode, so yeah, I liked it. And my uh, favorite part of this episode <laughs> would probably be when he wa- finally watches her movie and she utters the kiss of death line. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, that's a very generous choice of words. <laughs>
2: <laughs> a kiss of death. Of oh, death! <laughs> What's he say? <laughs> Achi-machi.
1: Hachi, machi She's horrible.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: Melissa, what about you? For uh, thoughts on the pilot episode.
0: Um, I thought it was it was really good and really funny and it definitely um like Jeremy said, it's a it is definitely a strong introduction to the world of Jay Sherman and his character and all the characters in his in his world and around him and um you know it's it's funny how, you know, like his show is still kind of it, it would be it's sort of relevant now, (laughs) you know, like it's, it, that's where it's, you know, in, in some ways it's still, it it hasn't aged much, you know, like it's still, it's still relevant and how, you know, a lot of the parodies and things that he's talking about and how, yeah, like board game movies have become a thing and these ridiculous idea movies and remakes that shouldn't have been remade and just all these things that he talks about, or it's just hilarious how it's happening now. And it's certainly, um, like definitely a progressive, um, you know, show. And it was an episode, too. Um, and then finally, like, you, you really get to know... I got to know the characters pretty quickly. Like, you kind of know who everybody is and their personalities. And, of course, you know, you get to know them throughout. But in this episode, you really, you know, get to know things. And, and um, you know, you really understand... Get to understand the humor and, of course, the, the infamous catchphrases. And, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the, the episode. And and my favorite... I've got two favorite Parts of it and it was the the first line in the the intro um you know you are out of our will you know we think you have enough money oh and happy birthday <laughs> 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 wow <laughs> and then uh i i really love the the whole uh beauty and king dork um segment so
1: <laughs> that was a good one <laughs> it was like you mentioned with the telephone call that that it's sort of like their couch gag and chalkboard gag from the Simpsons. And it also, it also gives like a good description of what his mother is like before you even get to meet his mother later on in the episode too.
0: Exactly. Like you, you don't even see her yet and you just hear her and it's like, Oh boy. Like you really know she, when, whenever we get around to meeting her, she's going to be a piece of work. (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah I, I feel like we should should mention the opening to the show um uh, shout out to han zimmer who i guess did yeah. the, the score mm-hmm. for the theme uh so you can imagine my disappointment when i went to see han zimmer in concert and he didn't do the, <laughs> of the song. Oh. Kind
1: of <laughs> oh, that would have been great <laughs>
2: <laughs> i would have been the only guy in the crowd cheering i feel like but uh I, uh, I I did want to mention real quick I had forgotten. Um we do get the uh Jeremy Hawk uh crocodile Gandhi um <laughs> yeah. bit, which, which is a, a really bum one. for the ladies.
1: <laughs> a glimpse of my bum for the ladies. <laughs>
3: Which, which
2: comes back, I think, later in the season when he does Crocodile Gandhi 2 where he got to do his Kirk Douglas impersonation.
1: <laughs> yeah. <with Machinga. laughs> yeah. I can't remember what episode that is in. But I'm sure once we talk about it, it'll stir up. Oh, I, I think I know what episode it was now. But but it, Like you guys said, this is a perfect uh, episode to kick the, the series off with. You do get to know all your characters and what Jay is, like, I I would say even calling him the third best critic in his field at best, too, because you get uh, Gene Shallot also makes an appearance in this episode, too. And then we get Rex Reed later on in this season. And then, spoiler for season two, Melissa, uh, Siskel and Ebert make an appearance in season two.
2: (laughs) 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 Yeah, I so feel it's like cool. they're, they're referenced, I think, in season one, but we don't have actually get them until season two.
1: Yeah, there, there's an episode where they said this buffet table's <laughs> specifically for Mr. Ebert. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, they get referenced to one bit.
2: So that, that is something I, I did want to ask you guys, because I know something that gets brought up a lot with this show is, you know, it it, it does play a lot with kind of fat shaming with jay sherman uh there's a lot of fat jokes in this show uh you know obviously specifically towards jay sherman and i feel a lot of people today say that that's something that probably wouldn't fly today um and i i get that argument but i i guess for me like it it doesn't bother me with this show i don't know if it's because of the jay sherman character like i'm not sure why but i get the argument but I, it's never been something that's really bothered me, but uh, I see that get brought up a lot, you know, when people talk about this series and how it's aged.
0: I think it's, uh, you know, like, I know, you know, like, the fat jokes and stuff. I don't think it's done in in a real sort of degrading way. I think it's it's the humor of it, and mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of fits the, the character himself and just the the jokes around him and and like it, it doesn't bother me either. I think sometimes like it it is funny. I mean you can't overdo it because you overdo it and it just it it's not funny anymore. But you you keep a good balance of it and it's and it's good and you know I I think a lot of it's a lot of it's funny. It gets a laugh out of me because um, I think it's done just in humor and not in You know, shaming every fat person in the world. You know, like it's just, you know, off, off the cuff um, comments or whatever. But, yeah, I think it's fine. I think
1: it. So I think it fits pretty well too, and it's not like anything. Not anybody's deliberately calling him out for being fat, mostly. uh, Except maybe not until season two when he goes to fat camp. With uh with Marty, but it it fits into the humor quite a bit. Like uh one of my favorite parts of this episode is when uh, uh when uh what's her name I already, I already forgot her name. Uh, Valerie goes out to ride horses with Margot, <laughs>
3: yes,
1: and when she says, "Well, his butt sticks out like an air conditioner," it cuts to him knocking the knocking the bird feet or the bird the bird bath over here while picking up a daffodil or. <laughs> Him breaking the horse's back. <laughs> yes. I
2: had I had an accident or I had an incident when I was a kid. Yeah. You
1: sure. You sure you weigh eighty pounds? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> and that uh, like that that weight joke comes back later on too with uh, Margo's. Uh, well, at least the horse is at his parents' house, but uh, I don't think like you you can't sit there and say you're okay with like. If Homer gets fat shamed in The Simpsons now, and that show's been around for 30 years, but you get upset over a cartoon character 25 years ago again, fat shamed, it, it, like I said, it's not like it's a de- he's a deliberate target because of his weight or anything. He's, they played up for laughs. So like when he has not to do the Doughboy giggle or when he's running <laughs> running in slow motion, trying out for the track team. Like it's all I think it's all done like tongue-in-cheek and in good... Uh, good taste plus back in the 90s we, we were tougher back then we didn't get offended by everything too so
0: absolutely and like the for me the the joke that just never stops being funny for me and it's always in in many different kinds of movies is when you know the fat person gets stuck in a in a tube or something you know they're trying to go through and it's like oh it got stuck like it's it's funny and then in this like you know in this episode and whatever that it's it, yeah, it's done tongue-in-cheek. It's in good humor. It's not It's not deliberately being mean, you know? It's it's for the, the humor and the laughs, and, and I agree. I think, you know, like, for me, I grew up in the 90s. It's like, yeah, I'm not easily offended by stuff. I think, because, like, I have a crazy sense of humor anyway, but... <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think it's all lighthearted and fun, and if people dive into it too much then well they can you know <laughs> they, they shouldn't take it so seriously
2: <laughs> but i think i think jay is in on the joke i think is what makes it work too i mean mm-hmm. you know he gets if you want to call it fat shamed or whatever you want to call it but then at the same time he does things to play into that you know i mean there's the <laughs> I think it's a couple episodes ahead, but like the scene where he has the dog and he's like eating the uh cold gravy out of the fridge. <laughs> or yeah, just he's yeah. he's obsessively eating all the time or <laughs> it's just or
1: Or in the next episode we're gonna talk about when he's in the projection with that girl, goes, I'm gonna take my shirt off now. There is a, a feeling of mild <laughs> nausea is, is acceptable or is common.
2: <laughs> but, um, I... I I do love in this episode too the introduction of his father Franklin, who's we're probably going to talk about a little bit on here on each episode. But I love the whole line of they get it out of the way right away when they say like, "Oh, he had," he tells uh, tells his uh, Valerie that he had a stroke, and then his mom's like, "He didn't really have a stroke. We just say that to explain his personality." <laughs> <laughs>
1: Then he follows up with a brilliant line the peanut is neither a pea nor a nut. <laughs> well, wait a minute. It is a nut. <laughs> but before we move on to episode two, uh, another uh, we talk about you guys talk about the, the writing on the show. I, I love that quirky humor that the show has. And one of my favorite moments is when he takes Valor on the date to, uh, to the wealthy jackass restaurant. <laughs> uh, when people, are, The kids are spray painting king Dork on his car in the valley I asked well, hey Mister. why does it say King Dork on your car Oh I bought it from King Dorkhauser from Finland Oh I thought I thought Finland was a constitutional democracy <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of humor in this show in terms of like political humor. I mean we get a lot of like presidents or like politicians in this show. Um, and I don't know if maybe that's, you know, uh, obviously the writers, but I don't know if maybe part of it is, um, you know, this show is such a love letter kind of to New York. So, you know, they do play up a lot of like the New York politics stuff. You know, you get a lot of Ed Codge cameos in the show and um, how
1: am I doing? How am I doing?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Which again, like a lot of this stuff, like I, you know, like you had mentioned earlier, some of the other critics, like Gene Shalit, I I didn't even know who that was till I watched this show, and I was like, oh, it's a, oh, that's a real guy. Like I thought that was just on the critic, you know, yeah, like, like
1: some. I him on the Today <laughs> Show. I'm like, hey, that's the guy from the critic.
3: <laughs> yeah. So.
2: Right.
1: Any final thoughts on on the pilot episode before we move on? No,
2: yeah, I don't think yeah. so.
0: I'm good.
1: All right. So we'll move on to episode two, which I'm sure the episode Jeremy was chomping at the bit to talk about. Episode two is called Miserable. At a screening, Jay falls for a lovely young projectionist, not realizing she's actually an obsessed fan determined to make him her prisoner. The Jeremy, you have the Stephen King podcast. Do your thing, buddy.
2: Well yeah, it's 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 funny cuz this this series dropped I think right uh, I think it was maybe the same year or a year after uh, Misery came out and this is obviously a a play on on Misery um <clears throat> like to the full extent. I mean, they don't I mean, they even make the character kind of look like uh Annie Wilkes um just obviously a a more petite uh version of her, but yeah, I <laughs> this this one has so many, uh, so many great gags in it. Um, obviously, the misery stuff where she's got him tied to the bed, and um, you know she's his number one fan. Um, I, I love all the all the stuff that she has in her apartment <laughs> of him um, that gets laughs out of me constantly, and I reference that constantly. The, you know, the buy my book um, cutout. <laughs> they had to pull him out of stores or something because people were trying to kill themselves or
1: something. Uh, the owner he, of a, he, the manager he, of a Bertanos oh. shot himself
2: yeah. <laughs> 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 And I, I I do have to mention I, I, one of my favorite scenes uh, is one of the movies he's watching when she's eyeballing him in the projection booth is indecent proposal (laughs) Yes. she's like, you offered us a million dollars last time. And he's like, yeah, I was at the time I was worth a million dollars and five bucks or something.
1: 1 million that. $6. Yeah. (laughs) What can I get for five government cheese?
2: (laughs) Thank you. And good night. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, I I love this. I, I I love her whole thing where she's got him tied up and uh, she keeps giving him that shot, and he wakes up and he's like, "You can't do this to me, I'm Jay Sherman." And she does it again. It's like, it's it's been six more days, Jay. It's been you know nine more days. <laughs> yeah, that I, I I love this episode. I forgot that it was the second episode.
1: Yeah, Crackle they put it down to like the 4th episode, but my DVDs have it at number 2.
2: Well, we also get a couple really great um coming attractions in this one. You get Edward Plunger Hands, um, yeah. <laughs> Honey, Honey I Laminated the Kids. Well, I think he's
1: I think he's watching that one. I think it's like when the second time he goes to the theater, he's watching Honey I Laminated the Kids, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> And you get uh this really good stuff with, with Jeremy Hawk, um when I think he goes to visit him on set or something, which is another great great scene. Yeah,
1: yeah uh, speaking of, uh they're filming the movie Smith and Wesson, which is like a <laughs> on it, like a dead on tribute to Lethal Weapon to see who the director was on the little clackboard.
2: Oh, I I did not.
1: It said Donner on it.
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I remember the guy on the bed looks very much like Danny Glover, obviously. <laughs> yeah.
1: And the guy that played the villain of the movie, they I know they brought him back sometime in the show. I can't remember where, but I know he's made appearances in the shows before, too. Probably well, yeah, in some he, of the movies that Jay's covered or something. Well,
2: yeah, the, what does he say? Uh, he He's like the stereotype uh, villain or something. <laughs> sure. The unconvincing character actor that always plays a villain. Yeah, <laughs>
1: go ahead and stab. Me. I know it's a prop knife.
3: That's pretty guy. Yeah this 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 is
2: a this is a classic episode. Uh, the whole the whole I love the uh, I'm gonna give you a stupid haircut as part of her. Uh, oh, I love so many that. days of killing him. <laughs>
1: Can I, can I get you anything while I'm out? yeah, hat
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i yeah this is definitely one of my favorites for sure
0: yeah i I can safely say that this one um for me when I watched it, it was episode two, but apparently it's not episode two uh, <laughs> but well, it is
1: according to the d v d release it is number two
0: okay. Or uh number four um on mine. So um anyway. Um I re this one is my is has gotta be my favorite. Like this one I was laughing the most at. Like I, I haven't actually seen the movie Misery, but I know it and I I know you know I've seen clips from it and stuff, so I knew what they were referencing, and so it was hilarious. And I love how um, Jay gets tied up with with film, <laughs> real, <laughs> like of all the things to be tied up with. <laughs> and I love how when they they go into the um, her apartment and um, oh, you seem to have a psychotic obsession with me. I love that in a woman. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, in full, full confession, I wanted one of those Jay Sherman tape rewinders when I was a kid, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, me, me too. As long as it made the, as as it made the noise. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you, you wouldn't want the, the Jay Sherman cutout? Buy my book. Buy my I, book.
2: I definitely would. I mean, I, I, if you see my cover photo for Facebook right now, I, I know exactly what I would do with that if I had it in my office. I'd put a Stephen King book on there and just have him like kind of waving it
1: don't forget to set it up to your clapper
2: yes (laughs) which I'm trying to remember who did um, the um, Annie Wilkes character voice in that episode I feel like it was somebody
1: I I think it was Tress McNeil
2: oh was it okay
1: I'm almost certain it was Tress because she's a pretty she's pretty, she's famous in the voiceover world because I think she she pops in and out throughout the show
2: mm-hmm.
1: as doing random voices i I'm almost certain she was the voice of uh did we ever hear this woman's name? I don't think we ever heard her name, did we
2: I don't think so I don't think we do. Yeah, I think she's just—I uh, think she's just known as like Jay's secret admirer or something. I don't think she ever really gives her name.
0: No, I don't think so.
1: Melissa, do you have any more thoughts or funny moments from this episode?
0: Um. Well, I, I had mentioned the the one the psychotic obs- obsession that was really funny, and I also just I love the, <laughs> um, you know the the Edward Plunger hands. I think I laughed a little too hard at that. Don't <laughs> just... shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> that that really uh that, that broke me up. Um Yeah, that, that was hilarious. And uh yeah, just the, the whole episode itself was just um really, really good. It was it was a solid episode and it was, you know, funny all the way through. Like I, I don't think I... I stop laughing all the way through watching the the episode. So I, I really enjoyed it.
1: So I don't think I can add much as to describe the episode that you two guys did, but some other funny moments, like you get a lot of funny stuff from Jeremy in this. Like you find out that he wears high heels or heels when uh Margo <laughs> goes to see him, <laughs> he breaks the heels. He starts starts running with that. Yes. <laughs> or, uh, how he's leading the, leading the charge. And, um, I like when they're having the press conference with Jay's parents and they keep asking him all these questions about the like the biscuit. Like, <laughs> if, Jay Sh- if Jay Sherman were a biscuit, would you fire the person that brought him to you?
2: <laughs> hey, now, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, I mean, like... The broken heel thing I have to say I remember me and my brothers we used to do that All the time if we were having to run Somewhere one of us would break that Out and be like oh damn I broke a heel And we'd start <laughs> trying to do that crazy <laughs> That he's doing oh.
1: uh, This is a good episode of Jeremy and I love how his uh, Jay's mom uses the platform To shame the reporters for discriminating or Disgracing <laughs> Dane quail <laughs> And then <laughs> You get another Frank, a great Frank line with uh, "If I could be a vegetable, I'd be a carrot." In the that's what the <laughs> headlines run with. <laughs> <laughs> carrot, man to Big Apple. I want my baby carrot or something like that. I miss my baby <laughs> carrot. <Sure. laughs>
0: I think yeah. honestly, he's one of my f- my favorite characters. I love it, how random he is and the lines he comes out with and. It's just he is so funny. I I really enjoy him.
2: Which I I, I guess I mean I, I I guess I should have put this together, uh, you know, a lot earlier than I did. But I guess they're based on like Franklin and Eleanor Roosevelt. Um, which I I kind of see it now that I know that. Um, but I I never took Franklin Roosevelt to be <laughs> this kind of personality. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, they are like kind of this like. aristocrat kind of political i guess family um i mean they never really i don't think they say where they got their fortune from but uh, you definitely throughout the series you see that they have like a lot of friends like politically like you'll see like random politicians and stuff at their house parties and stuff and Mm -hmm. so i I never I never put that together, but I guess that's where they got their names too. You know, Franklin and Eleanor, I guess, is referencing Franklin and Eleanor Roosevelt.
1: Yeah, I I don't really associate the his behavior with Roosevelt. Just <laughs> no.
3: just more
1: just more the uh I just see him as like I guess like a a character of like those these rich people just seem to loot their that <laughs> Have accumulated so much wealth, they just lose their grip on reality. But I think There's, you find yeah. out what,
2: such what old season,
1: money. <laughs> you know, like so season two, you find out that like he started acting this way once he started drinking. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> he's lo- he's much like Popeye <laughs> when it comes to drinking.
2: <laughs>
1: but uh, his, mo- his mother, his mother, mother is definitely old money. But um yes. Yeah. <laughs> And I I remember being a little kid wondering if like uh she broke Jay's ankles in this because I remember Jay limping at the end of the of the episode. then I look back like not this most recent rewatch, but like a couple rewatches ago, is it's Jeremy shoots him in the ankle with the gun because it takes a lot of stabs and like how actors like you don't know how to use that thing, you're just an actor.
2: Yeah, it's like, it's just a gun for bloody sake. You
1: know? It's not a bloody Xerox machine.
2: <laughs> that he got out of a vending machine. <laughs>
1: yeah. Which, eh, where else but New York in the 90s, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. There's so much, I mean, I, I I've read people who are, you know, and Tim probably could attest to this too, being a New Yorker. There's... I feel like there's a lot of jokes and humor in this series that probably really plays to New York people uh, more so than us. Um, You know, they probably get a little more out of it than we do because they're definitely playing to uh, some of the New York stuff.
1: Yeah. It was with Futurama, they did what, a crack vending machine in uh, (laughs) New New York? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) <laughs> uh, any final thoughts on uh, Miserable
2: yeah I think we got it
0: yeah it's it's a hilarious episode and um, definitely one of my favorites
1: and you gotta love it pays off he has thrown a second date
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like how the end of the episode don't hit me we're <laughs> fading to black
3: Uh
1: <laughs> 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 oh. So according to my DVDs, episode three is Marty's first date. And uh, Jay hints his son, Marty, on how to romance a young woman have far-reaching consequences. The critic has to speed, speak to Havana to rescue the love-struck lad who has literally taken his father's advice and followed her home to Cuba. <laughs> so Jeremy, thoughts on Marty's first date?
2: So, yeah, I, I think in this episode we get uh, we get our first kind of interaction with Jay's ex-wife, which is really good uh, when he shows up and she's putting wallpaper up to cover up uh, the old memories and they're literally yeah. putting it up over the pictures.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes me wonder, like, they've been divorced for some time now in this show. He still has a wedding photo in his apartment and she still has a photo of him up in her apartment, so... Makes you wonder, even though she absolutely disgusts him, like, what kind of relationship they really do have.
2: Wasn't it, uh, isn't it in the, uh, was it the previous episode where you got that, um, where it shows their wedding day and she says, I want a divorce and they're at the altar getting married.
1: Uh, I can't believe I married you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't
2: believe I married you, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we this is our, uh, first episode where we really get, uh, a lot of stuff with Marty J's son. And we find out he goes to this, uh, this is something about the series. I never understood. He goes to this, like school at the UN, like the United nations, yeah. like school. Like I never understood why that was, but, um, you know, we get all the, the kids from different countries. One of the gags I've always liked from this is the Easter Island kids who have, like, <laughs> Oh Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a yeah. good one you get hit more of him in like season two also yeah,
2: yeah. Island kid um I don't, think,
1: yeah. I don't think i don't think he has a name just call him the weird kid from easter island <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah there's so many gags like that in the series too where it's like it, it makes no sense whatsoever but like nobody even like raises an eyebrow at it it's just it, it's, it's this kid with uh easter island Sculpture for a head, like it just—it is what it is. So You just go with it.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> uh Yeah. So this one uh, really plays with uh, a lot of stuff with Cuba, which was kind of interesting. Um. Yeah, I I love the the, uh, the one of the random jokes in it with the the homeless guy that gets the cello and becomes <laughs> yeah. like a famous Broadway guy doing the bum <laughs> show.
1: Doing a Carnegie Hall
2: yeah Carnegie (laughs) Hall um but yeah there's some really fun stuff with uh with Castro I love the flashback uh where he's in Washington and JFK and Nixon I thought that was pretty funny (laughs) um yeah this 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 was a pretty good episode it does it it's got some pretty good stuff in it um Trying to trying to think of some of the other gags I remember from this one that were really good. Well, you got Uh, the international food fight. Yeah, the international food fight and the French uh, surrender like right away.
0: (laughs) And and I love the I love the one line during the the international food fight. You know, if we go to the Swiss table, we'll be safe there.
2: Oh, I I do love when he takes Marty uh, and his girlfriend on the date to the theater and they're trying to figure out what movie to uh, watch. And some of the movies that they're looking at is like Family Feud, the movie. (laughs) And and then MASH, the movie of the TV show, but not the original movie. (laughs) And then he ends up seeing this French film called The Red Balloon and it's... It's like this ridiculous like kind of die-hard rip-off or something.
1: <laughs> it's got like a Steven Seagal type character in it. and uh,
2: yeah. It's got
1: a Hans
3: Gruber character in
2: it. <laughs> like Revenge of the Balloon or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and
1: it 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 sets up perfectly that like there's one thing I think of when I think of movie critics for the most part is that they love these hoity-toity independent films so how excited he gets to see their ooh an independent Finch film and he starts singing gets punched in the face by the guy in line
2: yeah which is something that'll come back in a in a later episode with with his boss Duke how he's he gets you know ticked at Jay all the time because all Jay wants to talk about is like artsy. Artsy films that nobody cares about. <laughs>
0: yeah. Or like Jay, he's in the, It's a yeah later episode and probably the same one that you're referring to. And that, oh, I'll make a list of films I love. And <laughs> yeah. oh, I hope it's not some weird French films.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like this better not be a list of like artsy French films yeah. or something that nobody cares about. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Citizen Who?
3: <laughs>
2: Kane? Kane? <laughs> uh, yeah, I I was kind of. I mean, granted the series only lasted two seasons, but uh, I I was surprised they never brought the uh, the Carmen character back because they the way this episode sets it up. I mean, I, it, well, Jay Jay marries that. Uh, that uh, one person at the airport, <laughs> I like, just married him for his money
1: or something. I'm gonna take half of his money and divorce Yeah, <laughs> she's a lot like your other mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the most loving relationship. Really this is the most loving and trust relationship I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only marrying you so I can go to Cuba. Well, I'm only marrying you for citizenship. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I I do like the scene in the school in the cafeteria where Jay said, tells Marty that he can read women, and he's like going through like different people in the cafeteria, like oh she thinks I'm this, and and then he gets to the old lady, and he's like she's wondering if she should call the cops and have me arrested or something, <laughs> <laughs> and you see her like get on the phone calling the cops. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Better make this fast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Melissa, what about you? I
0: I thought it was another um, yeah, definitely another funny episode and and a lot of uh, um, you know sort of I think this one was like another one where it's you know like the movie references and you know like the you know the red balloon and you know like sort of Die Hard ish ripoff and um, yeah I, I really love some of the, like the lines in it and the, my, my favorite though is like you know international food fight <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and and it is kind of you know yeah it doesn't really make any sense why Marty goes to a United Nations school but yeah you go with it you don't question it just like the the Easter Island kid So <laughs> but uh yeah i thought it was it was really good and and uh it got a lot of laughs out of me so
1: i find it it quite humorous about the un school but go ahead jeremy i'm sorry
2: Uh, i was just gonna say uh before we forget we do get a flashback to franklin's first date in this episode too
1: (laughs) yeah some random ass <laughs> cartoon adventure into a man. Your <laughs> mother never looks prettier.
3: <laughs> um,
1: I enjoy you... the joke of the UN school. I think I think it sets up for a lot of humor. because I, I love the principal of the school, mm, uh, yeah. Principal Mungutu and or whatever it is. I just find him hilarious. He, he Find out how big of a jerk he reveals to be on like later on in the show, like always laughing at the kids and everything. <laughs> but uh you talk about how uh Jay marries the woman at the airport. I love how there's a, a girl in Marty's class, uh Andrea or Andrea, the girl from Mexico, sets that, that sort of that joke up in the uh in the classroom by saying in our country you're there's always a a teaser or something like that, or an advisory that says you're an escape mental patient.
2: <laughs> yes, so,
1: when yes. they, so when they see him in the airport in Mexico, they get him locked up and he's in a straitjacket. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I I do love the uh, show and tell gag too in this one where he's uh, where they, Marty takes him to the school and they're supposed to introduce their dad to the class and you get the guy that does like the artwork on the chalkboard, and Jay erases it, and he jumps out the window. And you get that <laughs> gag where he lands on the uh, topiary, and then the guy that built the topiary jumps off and <laughs> lands in the <laughs> cement. It's <laughs> like, ah, my work! My <laughs> <laughs> <Find the> work!
1: <laughs> like, Who's the, the dictator when he's speaking? He goes... I rule with, I'm a president for life. I rule with fear because everybody's plotting against me. <laughs> and Jay, like, oh, I was going to say that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is also the episode, uh, I don't remember it being referenced in the other ones, was we get the the first, and it comes back constantly once you kind of get an introduction to it, where he tells the class that he gets free stuff from the studios for movies yeah. and he's got the socks that says one says Tootsie and the other one says my left foot. Yeah. And I know yeah, that comes, it, it, comes yeah, like like, episode. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I, I thought there was one in the first episode, but I know that that's something that comes back constantly. I know there's a scene in one of the episodes where he has like, uh, his boxer shorts say backdraft on the, on the butt and, um, <laughs> I believe there's, like, an episode where Doris, like, has, like, his underwear or something that says Shaft coming soon on the <laughs> boxer shorts.
0: <laughs> my, my my favorite one was uh, on the back of his boxer shorts was Rear Window.
1: Yes. yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he has, I know he has, like, a bathrobe that says the color purple on it. yeah <laughs> uh. <laughs> I think he. I think in the first episode he wears a T-shirt that says "My Private Idaho" on it.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, I I, I love those uh, those little jokes. Um, but the my left foot one always gets me. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, I do love the opening joke of this episode too. And he's walking on the street singing "Macho Man" and they're tearing down the, his billboard. And. Uh, <laughs> It's jay sherman now with less odor and it's combined with like the essentially like the copper tone yes yes everybody's <laughs> laughing i just love the guy saying nice butt <laughs> you get thank that you. great
2: yeah you get that great john lovitz thank you <laughs> <laughs> but
1: overall like it is a good episode but i think it's kind of lower on the spectrum for me though it is still a good episode but uh I don't rate it as high as some of the other episodes, but I do love it. I also love the end too, with uh, Castro coming in at the end and saying, "Oh, I'm not the gruff bear everybody thinks I am," and <laughs> uh, <laughs> shoot to wound. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's one of those episodes. It does have a lot of really great gags and moments in it, but like it, it's not one that like I like the story overall in this episode. But it does have. A lot of really great moments in it, though.
0: Yeah, I would agree to it. It wouldn't be. Um, I mean, it's like if, if you know, I had to rank the, the episodes, it definitely wouldn't be very high on my list either. I mean, you know, yeah, the, I like the gags and some of the the lines in the in the episode, but yeah, it, it does fall flat a little bit. Um, but I mean, it's it's enjoyable, but yeah, it's it's not. Um, not not as strong an episode, like, say, like, miserable episode, you know. Uh, it, it's a little bit, it ranks a little bit lower.
1: Everybody ready to move on?
2: Yep, let's yeah. do it. All
1: right, move on to episode four, Dial M for Mother. Jay's <laughs> attempt to show the world that he can be warned by appearing with his mother on a talk show is a categorical failure. You just can't find anything nice to say about her. <laughs> Jeremy, go ahead.
2: So this is, I mean, I, as we go along, maybe one will come up that's that tops it, but this is probably, like, at this moment, uh, as I think about it, this is probably my favorite episode. Um, it's got so many great, great gags in it. Um, I love the whole story in the episode. I love how it starts out with, you know, Duke pretty much you know telling jay his his show is terrible and they got to spruce it up and he comes up with all these ideas i love the little cutaway things like the we'll be right back
0: (laughs) we'll (laughs) be Be right right back yeah (laughs) be right back
2: (laughs) yeah (laughs) and there's the great scene where he duke takes him in the back to show him this like test audience thing and you get that great thing where they're they're watching Hitler and he's he ranks lower than Hitler and he's like, I'm worse than Hitler He's <laughs> like, Well no, you're just a little less warm and cuddly, you know? <laughs> and I love like the Stoner kids that walk in like, Oh man, you know, <laughs> that Hitler guy was or that guy with the mustache was so cool or something like that. That's Adolf Hitler. It's like, oh yeah, he was the mailman on Cheers or something. <laughs>
1: See the band?
2: Yeah. Uh, but I mean, one of the moments in this episode that uh, it always killed us when we would watch this one is the whole setup that Duke does to the show, where it's like a, a log cabin and he has the doped up bear on the set. Yeah. <laughs> And it attacks Jay and you get that great scene later on in his dressing room where the bear tries to apologize to him by dancing. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> it makes what no sense. sense whatsoever, but it's so great.
0: <laughs> Last time you ate a critic, you were on the can for two weeks.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: your apology is like your fur. It stinks. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But I believe this is the episode where, where I think Duke says, I think it's this episode where he tells Ask J, like he's like, do you know why nobody likes your show? And he's like, because it's intelligent. And he's like, well, that's one of your problems. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. This is like when we get our one of our first Simpsons references too, because uh, I think it's when he's on Geraldo and uh, he switches it off, and the guys watch him. I this oh they. Crap on violence, but they let this on TV. And he switches over to The <laughs> Simpsons. <laughs> it's just Homer stepping on a rake.
2: <laughs> like this, I understand. Now this, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like but the, the first, this also like... seems
1: back to like the, the running running theme of the show is with Jay Jay's performance on his show. The ratings are always bad, oh. or Duke's <laughs> always trying to change it. So it becomes like a running gag.
2: It does, series, and, it, and it's it's one of those things where it's like I, I feel like maybe this would be one thing that kind of ages the the series because it's like, I mean, uh, you know, this isn't even a thing anymore. You know, film critics don't really have shows anymore. I mean, you used to have, you know, the Siskel and Ebert show where they would review movies, but I feel like this is like something that's like not really relevant today uh but it, i mean it still works but i could see like some younger audiences being like well, why does this guy have a coming attraction show on tv where he reviews movies you know Yeah,
0: <laughs> i mean now it's like it's short you know two three minute clips of somebody reviewing a film but that's about it like you don't have a full full-length show <laughs> well yeah so, and i
2: feel like honest trailers is kind of a I think Honest Trailers owes something to Jay Sherman, I think, mm-hmm. in a way. I mean, that's, I think that's kind of where we're at now, but that's, I feel like that's something kind of Jay sherman S, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, making fun <laughs> of these movies through the trailers. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I love the, like, the first quarter, epi- quarter of the episode is, like, essentially like, Duke trying to spruce up Jay's show, and then... The rest of it is, you know, we get a lot of stuff with with Jane as parents, and there's just a whole load of great gags at that part too. What well,
1: was this episode? Is this episode? Where, this is this episode where he says, uh, Duke says it. <laughs> it five, uh, took me three days to turn around Bill Clinton.
2: Maybe we yes. should have done four.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it only took me three days with a young man named Bill Clinton and look at him now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe she should have done four.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: well there's a, there's an episode later in the series where he's losing to uh is losing ratings to the dryer channel.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> People not only watch it; they give it money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, you, you mentioned, mentioned you get Geraldo too in this episode, which is which is really good. I mean, he was kind of a '90s thing too.
1: Yeah. I that was a Capone's vault. That's probably more '80s when he did Capone's vault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting punched up by Nazis and stuff. Or neo Nazis, and <laughs> I only know that from the Guar song. <laughs> uh, Melissa, what are your thoughts on this episode? I,
0: I thought I thought it was a good one. I love the you know the trying to spruce up Jay's show, and and like one of my favorite things was all the puns um you know like we we mentioned them before but you know the we'll be back be right back or we will be right bark like the, I'm I love puns just as much as the next person so I, it was just hilarious to me to, to see those and um yeah my, my favorite was was also the the audience um test screenings and you know the the one guy um yeah they curb violence, but they allow this. And then it's Simpsons clip and this, I understand, <laughs> you know, basically showing like, you know, what the audience is, is interested and not interested in. And, um, yeah, I, I thought it was, it was a good episode and I, and I loved how random Jay's father is in this one. Like he just <laughs> the number of lines he has in this is so funny. So yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I I definitely got a lot of laughs out of this one, and, and I really enjoyed it. The only the the only cringy part was, um, you know, like a lot of this, you know, it, it it sort of dates itself, but in in some ways, a lot of these jokes and lines still hold up. But definitely, a couple lines that definitely don't hold up are the you know, referring to Bill Cosby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I heard that. Yeah. Oh, that's a little bit cringy now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, texted, I texted Melissa during my rewatch ago. I think I found a joke that didn't hold up very well.
2: <laughs> Wait, you mean you didn't have a problem to with, you, the, with the old man in the diaper?
1: <laughs> I thought he was cute until his diaper trapped. <laughs> <laughs> the Bill Cosby joke does not did not age very well, especially when Lou Gehrig says, Thanks to you, babe, I'll love long to see his warm and unthreatening comedy. <laughs> like, ooh, ooh. oof. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing what we know now, thirty years later. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, the, the stuff with Franklin is, is so good. Like, I, I made reference to it, the the baby 37. That's where we see that in this episode. And um, I love the gag later on when he goes to the house to see his mom. And his dad's like, oh, she's been in the hospital. And I haven't left her side. And he's like, well, you're not with her now. And he's like, I'm not on trial here. Like, Am, Am I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love what he
1: calls Jay a disgrace to the family, and he still has the diaper.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what yeah, he comes in. You're a disgrace to this family.
1: <laughs> wow, who's ready to boogie with baby 37?
2: <laughs> and I, I, I love the, it's, it, it's such a small thing, but I love the gag where he's in the that restaurant, and he's, Richard Nixon is behind him.
3: Oh, and he yeah. And
2: like, all been out of shape. I, I don't even know why it's funny, but just Richard Nixon's reaction, where he's like, "My mother was a saint."
1: <laughs> I'm sure she was unimpeachable.
2: <laughs> <Yeah. Ooh>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you yeah. talked er, talked earlier, Jeremy, about the the fat shaming in this episode, and uh, I think one of the running gag, like how you say how Jay plays into it It, when he goes to visit his mother in the hospital and he's just wolfing down her meal. (laughs) Why don't you just eat my hot while you're at it? Can you try saying that without spitting so many cobbler crumbs at me? (laughs) (laughs) So that kind of like, it's like uh, evidence how you said how Jay plays into the joke. So, Mm -hmm. Uh, he, you see that quite a lot from him throughout the episode. Like even the first episode when he brings Valley Over to meet his parents, he's just wolfing down his food and digging his finger in his ear while he's doing it.
2: <laughs> when I think it's I think it happens more than once, but whenever you see him uh, get popcorn or something, he just starts, like, scarfing it down.
1: <laughs> more, more, more.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: or, or the excuse he gives on Geraldo why he's Oh, he's gotten so fat because he got, I got this condition where spots of fat pop over my body, and I have to eat junk food to to balance them out. (laughs) My doctor will back me up on this.
2: (laughs) Yeah, doesn't like show his doctor like no liar, (laughs) liar. Yeah, and that's this is the one, too, where you get the, the home video of him trying out for the track team that you had mentioned earlier. <laughs> this it's fun, best to look at fun. it. <laughs> You're not supposed to look directly at it.
1: <laughs> I can still see when I shut my eyes.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I just love, and Eleanor plays quite the perfect embarrassing mother too, like when you get to the, the thermometer, this is the original thermometer yes. he used to he used to ask me to take his temperature even when he wasn't sick <laughs> he used to shake his little fanny and say, take my temperature mommy
2: <laughs> or oh, we also get the uh, Mothers Against Jay Sherman group, which is pretty funny yeah. too yeah <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Uh, so good. I do love to get like one of our first uh glimpses of Jay at the uh adoption center too.
2: <laughs> they thought Jay was
1: a, they, thought Jay, they thought Jay was a monkey.
2: <laughs> yeah, was was his first name was Mr. Mr. uh
1: Mr. Bip. Yeah, Mr. Bip.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we call him Mr. Bip.
1: (laughs) Uh, But you do, uh, the the episode ends sweetly, though, by showing that Eleanor does care for Jay as much as she does turn him down after he gets uh, the piece of glass lodged in his brain from getting hit with a beer bottle.
2: (laughs) Which is a great running gag throughout the show, too. Whenever he gets hit with something, he, like, falls like a bowling pin. He does that, like, shake and falls over. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah. That was, you kinda of see that one in the background too, because it's more focused on Eleanor in the foreground. And you see him out the window in the background
2: getting knocked yes. out with the beer bottle. <laughs> Mother hater.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, any I mean this one is definitely the first to really showcase the stuff with his parents, but yeah, anytime like his parents are in an episode, it's it always like gets a higher rating for me because they're just uh, anything with franklin you never know what he's going to say there's so much just randomness to it that and like i kind of said like at the beginning of this recording like there was a lot of stuff like i didn't get why i was laughing at it it was so random that makes sense but it still made me laugh i guess because of the delivery
0: Mm -hmm. and just how how random it was too and i like how you know he'll he'll deliver these lines at sort of especially awkward moments or quiet moments, and it will just come out and be completely random. And it's just I think that let's make that's what makes it even more funny is that uh-huh. it's just out of the blue and it's hilarious every time. Just uh-huh. like I think it's in this episode where he's he's standing at the table and he's like I. I tore my pants, and that's why I'm not wearing any pants.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I love that. I love that line, too. Like, mother loves son, sweet romance. Poor old father has no pants. (laughs)
3: Yes.
1: (laughs) That's one of my favorite lines. (laughs) Mother loves son, sweet romance. Poor old dad has no pants. (laughs) Oh. Uh, <laughs> so uh, any any last thoughts on Dial M for Mother?
2: I don't think so. I mean we could we could go on and on about all the, the great gags in that episode. <laughs> I mean,
1: we could do we could do a whole episode on this episode alone. Yeah, I, think. I
2: mean it's it's definitely chocked full of really great moments, so
1: so we'll move on to uh, a little devil do you episode five. Jay's stepsister Margot reluctantly agrees to become a debutante, and Jay's ratings are threatened by Humphrey the Hippo, a children's show. Uh, Jeremy, thoughts on a little double do ya?
2: A hippo? You don't have a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love I love that um, that conversation between Jay and Duke, where he's talking about uh, yeah, you're up against some uh, some kids show or something, and. I can't remember green
1: windings. looking, green looking yeah. dog.
2: Yeah, and he's like, oh, it's a hippo. He's like, what? No, you don't have a chance. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is a good episode. I mean, you get uh, another. Um, I feel like it's a common theme through the show. You get another romantic interest at some point in the episode when Jay ends up uh, with the uh, the lady who's actually in the Humphrey the Hippo outfit. Um, but yeah, I, I love all the debutante stuff, like with his mom and her, her behavior towards uh, his sister not wanting to be a debutante, and I love the great exchange where she's gonna she's gonna shoot Margot's horse, and Jay's like, should I ride? Should I jump on him and ride away? And his mom's <laughs> like, it would be less cruel to shoot it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: One of my favorite lines of this episode too is that one.
2: And this is also the episode where we get that the uh famous uh Duke poking Jay in the stomach because he's ticklish like the Pillsbury Doughboy.
0: (laughs) I love how when he when he finds that out, he just keeps doing it too. He reacts to like
2: I believe this is also where he uh, he pulls out his contract or something, isn't it? Where he tells him to dance or something.
1: I believe my contract said to prance.
2: Yeah, my contract (laughs) calls for me (laughs) to prance. Probably one of my favorite. I want
1: to be at that contract writing.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? one of my favorite lines in this episode and in the series is there's this great moment where Jay is reviewing the T Cozy movie, um, <laughs> yeah. which is another one that I'm like, I have no idea what this is or what it's referencing, but it's it's funny. But he tells Duke he's got a joke and he says the joke and you just hear Duke in the background like, where's the joke? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times me and my brothers have pulled that one out at a at a table or something when we're all powwow and then somebody cracks a joke and we just are like, "Where's the joke?" <laughs> 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 uh, I I have no. It's just it's it always gets me every time.
1: It is a good one. Uh, Jeremy, were you like me? I just recently watched the. Uh, Creep Show holiday special. Did you instantly think of that gal from the uh Shapeshifter Shapeshifter's Anonymous to play the hippo in this one? Yes.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, you talk about ridiculous. Go watch the Creep Show holiday special. That was <laughs> that's something to see. <laughs> it's
1: fun though. And especially after oh, watching it's, after it was a lot of fun, seeing yeah. Seeing a wear cheetah after watching Wonder Woman 1984?
2: <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, I'm trying but, to think. I, I I feel like Franklin had a good bit in this episode too, but I can't remember it offhand. I don't know if he. Uh, you.
1: He has a good one where he when they're at the museum and he's talking to the penguins.
2: <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> you might wonder why I called this meeting. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> He does have a good line at the end of the episode when he's dancing with Eleanor, and she says, I forgot how good of a dancer you were, and he goes, I forgot to turn the oven off, I forgot to turn yes. the stove off. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, can, you get the butler saying, oh, burn, baby, burn. <laughs>
1: but, uh... Another thing we talked about how Jeremy, you talked about how like, the critic television show or the critic show format in general might be a little dated. What about debutante balls? Is that something that really still happens anymore?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I feel like it's you know we know his his family is like old money, so I mean maybe it's something that kind of still exists in that culture. I guess um, <laughs> I do love the uh, the the dress dress fitting.
1: Oh yeah. Um,
2: that's that's a funny gag when the when the person asks her like, "Well, are you can you wear virgin white?" and she's like, "Uh, the dress, but not the gloves." <laughs> I was like, "Wow,
1: you have to wear, have to wear slightly off white. We call it hussy
2: white." Yes. <laughs> but I was like, "Wow, I can't believe they got away with that one on national TV like that." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, There's another visual gag that I did want to bring up In this one Uh, The museum, outside the museum I love the sign outside the museum That says Museum of Natural History We take the fun out of Jurassic Park Yeah (laughs) Yeah Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of visual gags like that in the series, too, that I've, I've noticed upon rewatches, like, signs or, you know, s- that'll say certain things. Like, I know the real popular one that people will throw up is, I think it's in the pilot, where he's dancing with, uh, Valerie in front of Trump Tower, and it says foreclosure, or in foreclosure. Yeah. <laughs> so, I
1: put that up, I, I put that, uh, I put that on my Snapchat last night, of, I'm in front of the Trump Tower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, she, Val, Valerie, even "quote unquote" dated Donald Trump too yes. in, in the episode. <laughs> which
2: I, which I am surprised, you know, given that this series is so, so much New York, like that he wasn't referenced more, given the time period that it was made.
1: Well, they don't have the material back then that they do now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I'd say yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: uh there's been a well well of information since the nineties yeah <laughs> but this is a good episode uh well say your thoughts on a little we'll double d do i
0: I thought it was it was good i I really enjoyed it and um i I really like to you know you kind of get to know a little bit more of the family and just kind of how especially the mother like how sort of traditional and sort of old like how old sort of the family is and how traditional they are with, you know, the debutante party and, and her sort of pressuring her daughter to be a part of this and, and how her daughter is a little bit more like, no, I don't want to be part of this. Like she's a little bit more progressive than her mother and, and sort of like the family. And, um, you know, I, I really, um, you know, I like, I like the line too of, um, Hey ma, how do you like my tux? Oh Jay, you look good enough to bury. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it's a it's a good episode.
1: I do like uh, the visual gag that we get in this episode when Jay tries to go up to Margot's uh, treehouse to talk to her, and he gets stuck. And you get the running gag of that photographer that comes by and those takes photos of Jay with the woodpecker <laughs> on his ass. <laughs> and then the next states of the paper took. Took us by surprise.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's one one thing I really like about this show, too, is, like, you mentioned this before, but, like, the visual gags, and that I feel like if I, you know, I watch this series again, I'm going to see things that I didn't see the first time viewing it. You -hmm. know, like, I might have missed something in the background or on a sign or, you know, just there's so many things that just, Add to an episode or to the, just the show itself and its humor
2: Well, yeah, I know a, a perfect example is like the, uh, you know, we talked about in the, the miserable episode Like the Jay Sherman book thing, like I, I, It took me forever to pay attention to what the name of his book was And the name of the book is What I Do in the Dark by Jay Sherman <laughs> I thought that was hilarious, but I never really even paid attention to it. And,
1: <laughs> and they they even have like background uh, sound gags too. With uh, like well, one well, of the first times you go to the school and they're announcing on the PA system that attention, all students from third world countries, Sally Struthers is here and uh, <laughs> she's brought five hundred sandwiches. Whatever she can't finish, you
2: can ask. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: well we do have to mention uh franklin could have had rubber bands um in this episode if he had stayed home and not went to the debutante ball he could have had rubber bands
1: oh
0: <laughs>
2: i could have had rubber bands <laughs>
0: I love how genuinely sad he is about it. Like, just, of all <laughs> things he's sad about, he's sad about rubber bands. <laughs>
2: uh, just Eleanor's, like, reaction is just like, well, I was just gonna give you some rubber bands to play with, but if you wanna go, you can come.
1: <laughs> Aww. <laughs> I do like the stuff we get with uh, Humphrey the Hippo, too, when Jake gets to meet the actor, oh, or he meets uh, Humphrey the Hippo in uh, the video store, and says, your, your cereal turned my pee pink. <laughs> well, for that, I'd to have, to have six bowls or something like that. Yeah, and a gallon of chocolate milk.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this he is... makes, makes Humphrey cry, and the kids <laughs> like attack him.
1: This is worse than the time you punch up Mr. Rogers. <laughs> 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 oh, I like the, I like the gags later on the episode when he meets her and all that stuff, and they're at her apartment, and he goes, uh "She goes, Jay, I have uh, something to show you below my waist."
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's have a look. See, <laughs> <laughs> such a great episode. It's, it's probably this is probably ranks in one of my top episodes. Actually, just. Stuff from Franklin with the whole, I, I left the oven on, and rubber bands, and talking to the penguins, but uh, I've been watching a lot of uh, Nostalgia Critic lately,
3: uh-huh.
1: and uh, he has this bit where if like somebody's being touched inappropriately, he like, pretends like he's calling the cops and have like bad touch and stuff flashing up all over the screen. I started doing that in my mind at the end of the episode when uh, Margo's dancing with the bartender limo driver <laughs> started like calling bad touch bad touch <laughs> She's only 16
2: <laughs> I love I love the uh, date that Eleanor gets for Margo too the uh, the Prince Charles kind of look alike where he's like oh look he's actually got blue blood
1: <laughs> He's had so much inbreeding that he's stupid <laughs> yeah, yeah. what's five plus six 12 uh, <laughs> sharp as a tank yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. any final thoughts on a little double do
2: you no I think we I think we hit all the high points on that one.
1: Well, we just lost these episodes. <laughs> Why don't we get that spinoff? All right, to so move on to episode six, I on the Prize. After the failure of his 1,000th episode in Party, Jay is told his TV show Coming Attractions is in trouble again. <laughs> it's time to take drastic measures. So once again, the sh- the running gag of the show is Jay shows in trouble. So, uh, Jeremy, go ahead.
2: Uh, I have to say, I hated the part in Jurassic Park where where the Dilophosaurus spit <laughs> in the obnoxious <laughs> fat guy's face. <laughs> Just how this episode opens up with Jay literally interviewing a Dilophosaurus on coming attractions. <laughs>
0: Oh, <laughs> well, I didn't see that coming
2: <laughs> uh, did, it, did, it
1: cut him, did it cut to him getting cussed up by Cher right after that too
2: oh yes yes he says oh yeah like uh, here's my uh, uh, was it my famous interview with Cher yeah <laughs> uh, Cher just cussing him out and his reaction just sitting there in a the chair just taking it <laughs> so, so great <laughs> Uh yeah this this is a good one this is uh I love the the uh the party and nobody shows up um and I love that uh the the gag that Duke tells him your problem is you're starting to repeat yourself and he puts in this video of like him reviewing like all these these movies from different decades and he like has the same punchline for Tom Cruise where he's like he doesn't act anymore he's on cruise control <laughs>
1: i just made that up
2: (laughs) um yeah this is uh i i really like this episode i i love i love the flashbacks to his college days especially the one where he's playing with the electric cars and his roommate comes in and (laughs) got like a girl and asked to use his bed because they broke his bed and He's like, ah, oh, yeah, sure, but your car is like seven <laughs> laps behind, loser. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's 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 my favorite scene because was pretty much felt like me in college. <laughs> so I spent a lot of Saturday nights like in my dorm room, like not necessarily playing cars, but like playing video games or whatever, doing homework, and while some of my friends are out partying. And I just love that. Like, this way he says, "Loser, your car is six laps behind, loser,
2: loser." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, This is also the episode where we find out Jeremy Hawk is 43 years old Yeah (laughs) Breaking news (laughs) Breaking news (laughs) Uh, Yeah I I, I love this one Because he uh, I think this is also the one where Doesn't Duke like Send him to get like some kind of um, Like an image counselor Or something like that
1: and uh Yeah, this is we get Phil Hartman in this episode.
2: Uh um, yeah, yeah. He's uh was it Adolf fitmaker?
1: Hit- 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 yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and we get uh Jay getting liposuction after he's ate himself like ginormous. <laughs> he gets like liposuction for like an entire year.
1: Starts chasing the ice cube truck while he's still hooked up to the machine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, but I, I have to say, the, the biggest thing that I love about this episode is you get the great Jay Sherman speech about bad movies.
0: Yes. That, uh, the I, movie I stinks that.
2: just don't go. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. If you stop going to bad movies, they'll stop making bad movies. And I love how they cut oh, the jig is up and they hurl themselves <laughs> out <of> the window. <laughs> <laughs> you know and then it keeps going that yeah, if, if the movie used to be a TV show, just don't go. After Roman numeral 2, give it a rest. If it is a remake of a classic, rent the classic. <laughs> Tell me you, you want a movie about people. not a hundred million dollars of stunts and explosions. People, it's up to you. If the movie stinks, just don't go.
2: <laughs> if the movie stinks, doy doe. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> great, great. Uh, what that we kinda overlooked in these past few episodes we reviewed is the there's a lot of running gags of Marlon Brando too.
2: Yeah. This one too. Yes.
1: So Marlon Brando's gotta came in this one that ain't all fit, Make those good work.
2: <laughs> I think my favorite Brando uh gag in the series is I think it was one of the early episodes where it was like a family affair.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> I love that one. Just what I want to do is make a sandwich for you, a stupid dog. I making make me yeah. happier. <laughs> I like him. I, I think it's in season two when he plays Barney.
3: Yes, yeah, I love yes. that one. <laughs> Barney. <laughs>
2: yeah, the family affair one, I, that was another one where I was like, I don't even know what this is, but I was cracking up because, you know, just Marlon Brando with his line delivery. This <laughs> is <just> so good.
1: <laughs> It's, 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 those impressions is when Maurice LaMarche really shines cuz he does the Martin Brando and also then in this episode you hear him do his Orson Welles which he would go on later to do on Tiny Toon Adventures and Pinky the Brain and Animaniacs as uh, the Brain.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also love it's in yeah in this one where um Jay is teaching the the cab driver's English. <laughs> cab drivers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and before he starts his speech, he's like, "I was going to teach you how to say he was already dead when I hit him." <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which my life like is such a, a Such a New normal. York thing, right? <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs>
1: they they have a good gag with the cab drivers in season two when they do the cabbie exchange program when jay's in iraq and he gets an american cab driver
3: (laughs) well i
2: i don't know if we i I can't remember what episode it is but there's one where he's in a cab and he's talking to the cab driver and he looks up and says like cab driver only knows like four words of english and it the cab yeah. driver just says look at sign <laughs> <The words laughs> in english uh,
1: i think it's like season one or season episode one or episode two it's like early on yeah that
2: that
1: that cab driver does come back a couple times too
2: i feel like he's in the english for cab drivers class i think he's one of the people in the class
1: he might be i have to go back and relook at this one again but uh this episode also, I think, gets referenced a lot on Tim's show uh, Anything Goes because he, him and his, or oh, at least his buddy Mike, will always bring up the uh, Keanu Reeves in the Merchant of Venice speech. If yes. you prick us, do we not bleed? If we do we not get bummed? If we eat back guacamole, do we not blow chunks? <laughs> I think I think that's usually when usually I hear them going their critic rants is when, when they give that speech.
2: Well, and I remember this was, and this is going back to when I first watched this show, so I mean, I was pretty young. This was my first introduction to Orson Welles, was this episode, with the Rosebud Frozen Peas commercial. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Had no idea that he was... A, I mean, I, I figured he was probably a real guy, but had no idea who he was at that point. And that's, I, I can't take Orson Welles serious because of the show. Like, all I think about is the rosebud frozen peas. Just a handful for the road. <laughs>
1: oh, look, there's still a french fry in my beard. <laughs> Does he do one for wine, too, or something like that? Like, drinking a yes.
3: huge
1: jug of wine, like a dollar a bottle, a dollar a jug, or something like that?
2: Uh, what did you guys think of Jay's student film in this episode?
1: I think it, Go ahead, Melissa.
0: I, I thought it was just... <laughs> um Cheesy. <laughs> but it just just like his like it was a lot like his movies that he critiques and so it stinks <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: i'd say i'd say it's it's very much it's very much how you'd expect somebody who comes off as being pretentious to be would make a film somebody who sees himself as being like artsy and deep how you'd see them doing it, but I love the gag at the end with the woman says his name wrong. <laughs> what are you saying in there? <laughs> oh no, Prometheus. <laughs> and he's correcting her on screen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Prometheus. <laughs> and. <laughs> oh, we also get a shining ref- reference in this one too, when he's, uh, when he's writing his book uh, trying to write his Pulitzer speech and Marty walks in on him and he's got the whole stack yeah. of manuscript
1: <laughs> yeah was there an episode 2 coming up where they say uh, Stephen King gets that for saying <laughs> boo writing, <laughs> writing boo on writing a napkin
0: yes. <laughs> $3,000 Stephen King makes that by writing boo on a napkin <laughs>
1: If I think the message of this film does still hold up, or this episode holds up today is that the movie stinks, just don't go.
2: Yep. Well, that and my favorite uh, movie parodies in this episode, uh, Arthur 3 Revenge of the Liver. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Somebody ate all your popsicles. <laughs>
2: uh, it's oh, look, chance. there's a piano. <laughs> <laughs> And
1: his Arthur comes back like another time too. I think I think it's a season two. The his Arthur comes back like Maurice Maurice Lamar really, must have loved this job because you just get to do all these impressions.
2: Uh, and it's it's one of those uh, like the Arthur gag again was another one that growing up I I didn't really get the reference. I just it's just something I associated with the critic. You know, like it wasn't until years later I actually you know, knew who Dudley Moore was and, you know, I'd seen the Arthur movies, but I, it just tells you, like, that not even knowing what they were referencing, like, it's still, the gags just worked. I mean, I was laughing.
1: Yeah, I I've, I remember my mother owning Arthur growing up, but I just never connected it outside of that until probably, I probably saw the remake with Russell Brand many mm. years later, but. Way, way less impressive. I should have said that the movie stinks, just don't go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> luckily, I, luckily, I rented it and didn't uh, go to the theater. <laughs> Remember when Russell Brand used to be a thing, guys?
2: Yep. That was <laughs> for about like a year and a half, wasn't
1: it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Closing thoughts on episode six, Eye on the Prize.
2: It's a good one. Yep.
0: It's, 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 it's a definitely... good one. And it's still, you know, like for his, uh, speech, it's very relevant.
2: <laughs> yes. I think if, if the critic gave this us is... anything, it's, it's the speech in this episode. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely.
1: Well, so this episode, he has that delusion when he won his first, first Pulitzer prize. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> is that the discotheque <laughs>
1: yeah I'm a maniac oh you mentioned uh, you mentioned sight gags did you see the sight gag in this one at his party where the the banner crossed out Pee Wee Herman and Jay Sherman on it yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the woman confuses him for Bobby Sherman uh-huh. <laughs> you start singing to her <laughs> Uh, That probably has to be one of my favorite sight gags in the background. Is that the banner says Pee Wee crossed out and wrote J and crossed out the put an S at the end of Herman?
2: Yes, (laughs) (laughs) that was one I had forgotten about, though. You just mentioned that, yeah, that's a good one.
1: Uh, moving on, episode seven every Doris has her day. J befriends and accidentally dates an older woman, makeup artist Doris, only to suspect he might be his biological mother. Jeremy, go ahead.
2: Uh, well, before there was Wicked, there was Hunch. <laughs> the That's true. <laughs> uh, which, which, again, I feel like is like something a little ahead of its time. I feel like you know we do get a lot of these type of Broadway shows now that are like this hip, you know, twist on like a classic tale or something. Um, yeah. But yeah, the the hunch um, the hunch play is is really good in this one um, <clears throat> that they go see. Uh, there's some really good cutaway gags in this one. Uh, I love the Howard Sterns end. Uh, <laughs> I thought that one was really funny.
3: Yeah.
2: And then the uh, two and a half hours of bonus footage for the director's cut of JFK, where he's just saying back <laughs> to the left.
1: Back to the left. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah this this was a good episode we get a lot of Doris which is a character that unfortunately um, she's very prominent early on but then she kind of fades away now I don't know if it, is that because cause you had mentioned that the actress that played her passed away that she passed away like when she made this show or was it later on because I feel like uh, the was- character kind of disappears throughout the series as we go along
1: I want to say it's probably 95 uh, to probably either when season two was still going or after season two wrapped up in 95, I think is when she passed away. Cause it's also around the same time they uh, retired lunch lady, Doris in the Simpsons. Cause she also voiced oh, her.
2: Okay. Yeah. It's, it's something that I noticed doing a rewatch this time was, you know, Doris is one of those characters that was there from the first episode and she kind of, <clears throat> kind of fades out as the series goes along. And I never really picked up on that till this, this rewatch here. Uh, but this is definitely like her episode, you know, she's front and center with Jay throughout the whole episode.
1: Yeah. Season two, uh, she goes more to the background and just appears for like a random joke here and there. And that's really about it. She's more of a, a jokey background character in season two, but yeah, this is front center. It doesn't, uh, I thought there was also. We we're talking about this. You t- mentioned Jay's uh underwear in this one, so there's a shaft coming soon,
3: yeah.
1: Uh, wasn't there one too when I uh, had a bathrobe or something that said jungle fever on it and it had like <laughs> yes, tiger stripes yes. on it or something? But I, I like the gag of her singing like a virgin in the shower. <laughs> <laughs>
2: When she's she's another character that i I'm not sure how well she would play today with you know all the smoking gags that they do with her um there there's a, I I know there's that one where there's like the smoke demon or something that's talking to her which is pretty funny and
1: yeah, that's um, in season two
2: and just like her just hacking like all the time <laughs> she's just like oh my poor lungs and then she <laughs> lights up another cigarette. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Using the, using the smoke detector as an ashtray. And... Yes. <laughs> well, they, as you mentioned her it, She does that in this episode, too, like right in the middle of the play. She starts hacking up a lung right in the middle of the, of the play or the musical they go to.
2: And we also get the uh, the bridge collapsing scene, which is something that becomes part of the opening credits, I think, in season two, where they're sitting there staring at the bridge and the bridge collapses
1: yeah they switch out uh what Was I trying to look up oh yeah that's when uh, they switch uh doris out for jay's girlfriend uh Alice
3: uh-huh.
1: season two but, uh, Melissa your thoughts on every doris has her day
0: yeah it's uh it was a good one. I especially liked you know the 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 hunch musical <laughs> um I love how they at the end he becomes a pinata. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, And then after, um, one of the the audience members comes up to Jay and is like, "Oh, you taught me I can be ugly on the outside and beautiful on the inside." And I'm like, oh, I'm not one of the I'm not one of the actors.
1: I'm not the hunch.
0: <laughs> I'm not the hunch. <laughs> and um, I, re- I really like the beginning too, like uh, the opening. You know i'm I'm the winner of the Jay Sherman look-alike contest. Well, one of my heads is. <laughs> 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 but I, I really like seeing more of of Doris because like I really like her and it's sort of like she's, you know in, in the episodes, like you see her from the beginning. But she's not there for very long, so it was kind of cool to to see a little bit more of her and a little bit more interaction with um, herself and Jay. And um, you know, I, I really enjoy her character. I think she's she's really great.
1: You gotta love that you can have a, a re- an apartment in New York at rent control for what one hundred and twenty five dollars a month.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what did you, what did she say? Put the candlestick holder down.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, put the candlestick down. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, I love the the Inquirer, uh shot where the I think it's the same photographer takes a picture of him and Doris at the at the Broadway show. It says, uh, "Grave robbing critic gets lucky with gets lucky stiff." <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: That's a good one. I learned a, uh, I learned a few. Forty years in the business, I learned a few tricks about hair and teeth. Like always wear hair and always wear teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I got a, I got a trick that'll make you look forty years younger. Why didn't you use it before? Uh, I didn't want to use an extra minute out of my day. <laughs>
2: Yeah, there's there's something like the Doris character. Like I I like the Doris character a lot, but man, the, the the actress who's you know she's when she's doing those coughs, man, it's there's parts where I'm like I don't feel right laughing because I'm like, man, those feel like legitimate like really bad coughs. I mean, yeah,
0: one's <laughs> a little too real.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It, but, you know, how you, that's how you get through life sometimes, especially the last year and a half, is you you got to have a dark sense of humor, I guess. You got to laugh at things you shouldn't laugh at sometimes to get you through those dark times, I guess.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: But uh, what about, what do you guys feel about the whole possibility of uh, Doris being Jay's mother, biological mother? I
2: thought that, I thought that was, that was fun, Um because it is something, I guess, you know, we never really get any answer. I I think, had the series gone on further, I think it's a, another plot point that could have came back around, is, like, who was Jay's real paternal parents? Um, hmm. I think it's something that they could have came back around and played with a little more. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought it was, I think it was a fun concept, and like I said, it got Jay and Doris into, like, an episode together, and... Um, Yeah, I mean, she's just one of those characters. I'm kind of sad, especially now knowing why. Like, it's it's sad that she didn't uh, get to stick around more in the series.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really enjoy your character. I think she's she's cool, and um, yeah, I thought it was kind of it was kind of fun too that they they kind of played around with you know Jay's possibility of her, um, or of the possibility of her of Doris being Jay's mother. Cause you know, it, Oh, you know, it was 36 years ago. Well, I'm 36. And they're just sort of like, Oh, we're piecing this together. And it, I kind of felt a little bit sad when, Oh, it wasn't the thing that would, that came into fruition.
1: It's uh, um, Inconclusive or something like that. Or...
0: Yeah. So, but I, I am surprised that they didn't play around with that a little bit more. I feel like they could have. And they like they could have done it on a serious note, but they have also they also could have done it in a on a in a humorous way too. Like it, it could have gone, um, I think, a lot farther. But uh, maybe they they felt like it wouldn't work, so maybe they just had it for that specific episode where they explore that.
1: Well, that and the fact that everybody everybody is so entertained by uh, Frank and Eleanor too that. <laughs> You really don't care. Plus, you also get another moment, too, where in this episode, where Eleanor shows she cares for Jay when it it says something like it breaks her heart about that. But then she goes, This is Margo. Here's our other kid. You can't have this one.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, I think, I feel like until you have these episodes like this that point it out again, like, I almost forget that Jay's adopted through rest of the series. When I rewatch it, it's it's something that just I I just kind of overlooked. Like you just think of Eleanor and Franklin as his parents, and I just kind of forget that he's adopted.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless unless you get the reminder from the from the butler <laughs> adopted Jay <John. Yes>.
2: adopted <laughs> master, master Jay. Master
0: Jay. <laughs> And I love how he's kind of sad that he wouldn't, if if it was true that, you know, he found out his biological mother that he wouldn't be able to make the joke anymore. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Closing thoughts on every Doris has her day.
2: Oh, it's a, it's a fun episode. I, like I said, it's, it's, it's a little more character driven because it is mostly just Jay and Doris's episode, so not a whole lot going on with it in terms of like Jay's career and the TV show. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a good one. I like it.
0: I I like that too. Like it, it was it's a fun episode, and it kind of you know it was a not that it's sort of annoying in any way or tiresome, but it was a good break from the usual stuff like his career and the stuff that happens within it. And so it was kind of a fun episode just to, you know, and bring in Doris, who's not usually a character who gets a lot of screen time. So it was, it was good, like, and, um, good to see that. And they, and I really enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, we also get a musical number by them singing a bicycle built for two throughout half the episode. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I think the episode hit ends by him getting hit by a carriage 'cause he goes 'cause I think it was the door says look out for that carriage <laughs> and
0: That's not That's innocent. the
1: how that's not how it goes. <laughs> 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 Moving on. Episode eight Marathon Mensch. When an accidental fire breaks out on the breaks out in the studio during his T V show Jay's whole audience watches as he panics and runs screaming from the set. Jay gamely struggles to reestablish his manhood. Now, we talked about uh, Hans Zimmer doing the score for the theme for this song. This Another big name is attached to this uh, show, and it's uh, Judd Apatow. Mm, He's a yeah. uh, producer for the show, and he uh, actually writ, wrote this episode, Marathon Mensch. Oh, really? I
2: didn't know that. I mean, I knew he yeah. was... He was one of the names attached to the show, but I didn't know he did this episode specifically.
1: Yeah. According to my notes, he wrote this one. So, uh, the floor, the floor is yours, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh,
2: uh, this is a, this is a great episode. I feel like this is one that people, I think, quote a lot who are fans of the show, um, like we talked about earlier, like with the New York humor, I feel like that gets played on in this episode. There's this great gag with the, uh, the mayor, I think the mayor of New York or whatever, deciding to run and then he decides not to run. And then (laughs) he decides to run. And then he like, I feel like that's like a, that has to be a, a inside joke to maybe that person's campaign or something. Uh, but I I just always laughed at just the way it was executed. I thought it was funny, um, but it's it's another one that they they kind of obviously toy with Jay's weight and uh, he's you know wanting to get in the shape and um, <laughs> yeah this I, I like this episode a lot. There's so many great gags with the marathon, um, uh, some of the great cutaways to the movies. I love the. Uh, What's truth got to do with it? The Ike Turner story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I <love> that one. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, this one's great. You get a, a, I guess, a little cameo from Bob Costas is the guy that's calling the marathon race, um, and he. He's, I I think I mentioned it earlier, the uh where he says morbidly obese film critic Jay Sherman is in the lead. Do you believe in miracles? <laughs>
3: um
2: another great one I like is I love Jeremy uh Jeremy Hawk's uh talking about this movie he was gonna do about a Rubik's Cube and he's got like a, a dog sidekick. <laughs> and it's, I it, yeah, there's a lot of really great gags in this one.
1: Yeah, stop it from like a, is it blowing up a bunch of supermodels or something like that?
2: Yeah, and he's like, oh, and I'm I'm colorblind, and then my sidekick is a dog, and <laughs> it's completely, just complete bonkers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Melissa, uh,
0: I I thought this episode was was funny and. Um, I really like how, you know, he's, you know, super kind of dedicated to how Jay's dedicated to doing the marathon and, and, um, you know, he says, oh, the tortoise beats the hare and tortoise goes on (laughs) much faster than he does. (laughs) And I love how it just, you know, it. It just draws out through the whole day, and it's like nighttime, and he's finally crossing the
1: line. Well, I think it took him like what two days, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, two and a half days.
2: They're like, well, it only takes like, uh, was it? It only takes like so many hours or whatever to walk it or something like that.
0: (laughs) But uh, yeah, I I really, I really like this episode. It was fun.
1: This episode reminds me a lot of one of my favorite Simon Pegg movies, and that's Run, Fat Boy Run. They get a, it's not like plot for plot comparison, but just a Simon Pegg being like an overweight guy trying to run a marathon in, in London to prove a point like to his son and to his ex that well, he's trying to get back with all that stuff. So the, it, Every time I watch this episode, I think of that movie, of that film, which if you haven't seen it, it's a pretty good. If you're a Simon Pegg fan... It's a pretty good film to check out. But it's just like one thought that always crosses my mind whenever I watch this film or watch this episode. But uh I do love the training session with his dad, Franklin.
3: <laughs>
1: yes. I'm gonna drive I'm gonna drive the car down the road. When you catch up to me, we'll stop for the day and he drives to a car show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Where he uh, dry, or runs to the lighthouse and then these guys bring him back and he's in like a like what they would put a whale or a dolphin in. And he's like, my son's not a whale. And he's like, well, he just ate a whole bucket of chum. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're tr- trying to keep him moist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, you just made somebody shiver somewhere. Listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go. <laughs>
3: Uh,
1: well, I do like how the uh, Jeremy Hawks movie comes back to play later on when Jay's still running and Jeremy's in the back of a limousine with the girl. <laughs> he's asking about the movie. Well, first he gets Jeremy to like step into a manhole cover. You step a little bit to your right. <laughs> then he comes back later while Jay's still running and he's in a limo with a beautiful woman. I think you're, what what were they talking about while they're while he was in the limo?
2: Oh well, I know he says like, "Are you all right?" Like, I have a i I have a nurse or something with me, and she's like, "I'm not a nurse." Oh,
1: I'm a steward. I'm a stewardess. I'm a
2: stewardess. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I I think uh, one of my favorite uh, visual or. I guess physical gags is the when he ends the marathon and his dad tells him like, Now don't don't stop or you'll cramp up and he like (laughs) like his limbs like cramp up and he just like falls
1: over. (laughs) He just lays there for like, yeah, can you can you move me, son? I think I'm laying on a dead cat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's fine.
2: Yeah, for some reason with this one, I I, I remember it, like, having a little more um, uh, runners, like, you know, like I said, they mentioned the mayor guy running, and then I think later on they, well, they have the guy with the uh, ferret in his pants, and then there's the old yeah. guy, like, on the bus with his teeth. I thought, for whatever reason, I thought there was, like, a couple other ones that they mentioned, but, um, yeah, I guess it was just those three, but.
1: Yeah, I forgot about the guy—the weasel, the squirrel in his pants until, yeah. or the ferret in his pants until I rewatched it and the other day. I'm like, oh yeah. For some, some reason, I remember the guy pulling the butt—the old man pulling the bus with his teeth. But I forgot about the guy with the animal in his pants. But.
2: Well, I I love when he finally comes running down. To the finish line, his dad's like, "Hey, hey, hey! It's Fat Albert." <laughs>
1: <laughs> Abba, habba, habaduba. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that's that's probably one of my favorite lines from the move. This episode too. <laughs> probably a reference kids wouldn't get now.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. That's another one of those dated references that I don't think a lot of people would get,
1: unless they saw the Kenan Thompson movie from the two thousands. But
2: I may have. I forgot that thing existed.
3: <laughs> Same here. Good luck sure, trying
2: to
1: close your. Good luck trying to close your eyes tonight. now.
2: I'm sure Kenan Thomas is probably trying to forget that that happened.
1: Yeah. Well, considering he's the only person from all of that that's still working.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I often do wonder what the uh, what Kel thinks of Keenan Thomas's success, and he's been kind of forgotten. <laughs> yeah,
1: we we haven't seen Keenan Thompson since Mystery Men. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, closing thoughts on Marathon Mitch.
2: Fun episode. Yeah, it's a it's a classic critic episode. I think uh, most people would remember this one from the series even if they're not like diehard fans i think this is one that that sticks out for some of the great gags with the marathon and stuff
1: oh we glossed oh we glossed over the uh the they made a movie out of doris (laughs) saving jay (laughs)
2: where he's played by a sumo wrestler
1: (laughs) yeah i have to go potty (laughs)
2: It's, I did say that, but it was taken out of context. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: the thing she signs the contract as soon as she gets out of the building.
2: one <laughs> another thing with the smoking thing I mean she's like, Oh, it looks like hell, but it smells like heaven. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> First thing she does when she gets out of the building is light up a cigarette. <laughs> It's uh, Moving on, episode 9, A J. In the wake of a positive response to his screenplay he has written, Jay takes a sabbatical from his show and joins Jeremy in Hollywood, where studio boss Gary Grossman agrees to buy it on the spot. Jeremy?
2: Uh, so this is the episode, I feel like, where the show... I think really shines and, you know, kind of poking fun at Hollywood and, you know, big studios. And uh, there's a lot of stuff in this episode that I think is still relevant today that really plays well with the humor, especially with Jay being in the studio and, you know, working with these, you know, studio people and just kind of how ridiculous and kind of out of touch they are. <laughs> you know, we get. You know the whole thing with uh, his office in Hollywood gets turned into Tom Cruise's private bathroom, and like his former assistant is now in charge of flushing yeah. <laughs> Tom Cruise's toilet. Um, the you studio used to be exec- vanilla Ice? <laughs> yes, I used to be Vanilla Ice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the studio exec in this episode that he deals with. Um, just once again, there's just so many great things the whole thing with Jay writing this really great script and he's like yeah but we can't make this movie and he's like what why not he's like well it's too good and he he puts Mm -hmm. it in the pile with all these other really great scripts and he pulls out like a Revenge of the Nerds 5 or something he's like oh what are you doing in there like you could be making me some money (laughs) tells the guys to start shooting it like right away Um, yeah I, I just love Jay being around like the Hollywood um, movie industry. I just... I, I loved all the, the jokes in this episode. I just... There's so many to name, so I'll <laughs> let you guys... Let you guys kind of talk about it a little bit.
0: Yeah, Go it, ahead, Melissa. It really, you know, shows... And I'm sure, you know... For the episode, it's like... It's the humor and everything, but I'm sure in some cases that studio mentality is very real (laughs) and I'm still, I'm sure it's still very real, you know, right now. And, you know, where they're just, they're kind of out of touch with a lot of things and, oh, well, we can't make this because it's not, it's too good. And, (laughs) you know, and it's just really funny how they, they really shine a light on that and, and make it funny. And, and uh you know i really love how how jay he kind of changes a little bit when he gets to to la and you know and i love how he, he says you know i'm he's in the car and he's like oh i you know i'm pretending there's someone on the other end to look important blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> he <has> <laughs> phone to his ear <laughs> and his son is like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> So that was really funny. And, um, yeah, I, I, I really, um, I thought this episode was, was good. Um, you know, especially just, yeah, the, the shining light on the studio mentality and just, um, you know, how people are in, in, in that world and in the, in the business of, of making movies and stuff. And, um, you know, I, I think they really they did a really great job of kind of poking fun at it.
1: Yeah, definitely. uh it's a good setting for Jay to be and get him out of the get him out of the set for some for a change, do something different. And we also get the we get a reference here that Jeremy gets plastic surgery done.
2: Oh my gosh, that's such a great gag! <laughs> hey, what's this thread? <laughs> And just the way he mumbles on the phone trying to get a hold of his doctor is damn, yeah. that's so great.
1: <laughs> I think this is another sight gig. Is this is like one of the first uh, Fox jokes they make too, Fox or ABC yeah. jokes too? And on the on the trade papers that Jeremy has with him while they're sitting by the pool.
2: Oh yeah,
1: so I think they make they take a lot of shots at Fox. Uh, yeah. I think at least at least while they're on ABC, they did. But, um, it's psychic. Then I love Billy Crystal as the head of the studio. Um, he's pretty damn funny in that. Like, when he's trying to shake him down to read the script, and uh, hey, can't you tell by the look of my face? And he's yes. <laughs> giving all these random faces and shit to him.
2: I, I love the, uh, I love the where he's meeting with the different directors, and the one is. Ford Coppola, and he says, "I think you know one of the ghosts should chase a woman, and you know this actress should be like really intelligent. Like he's naming off all these pros, and he's like, and I think it should be be my daughter, Sophia, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is obviously a joke at Godfather Three and him casting his daughter in that, and it's you know become kind of a punchline for that movie.
1: So another one of the directors he." Supposed to be like a character of Spike Lee, because he was hot at the time too. So I think they bring him back later in the episode too, where he gets pulled over for driving the speed limit in town.
2: I I do love the uh, earthquake scene too, where the Hollywood sign is fallen, and the guy comes out of his house and he's like, "What the H?" And the H like falls. <laughs>
1: Yes. <laughs> so they did the they did the Hollywood sign gag right way before BoJack Horseman did it when they stole the D off the Hollywood sign. Uh,
2: this is also where we got the uh, the crocodile uh, Gandhi two where he yep. does Kirk Douglas impersonation. <laughs> it's just rip really off oh. the
1: fast is over. <laughs> <laughs>
2: gonna fill your bellies full of lead <laughs> i i do wonder uh, if you guys kind of picked up on was i wonder if there was something with the studio uh not giving them permission because you notice they they're obviously referencing ghostbusters but they call it ghost chasers um i wonder why that was because they haven't seemed to shy away from naming movies in the series but for some reason they couldn't say ghostbusters they had to say ghost chasers
0: it probably maybe it might have been a like a, a studio thing because i feel like if they you know if they wanted to reference the film and they, they you know, they had like permission to they would have done it um because, yeah, like you said, they, they don't shy away from naming movies at all. And so, yeah, with this one, it seems a little bit strange. So maybe they, they approached whoever they needed to approach, and they said, nah, no, you're going to you know, ruin it or something. I don't know. But probably some really ridiculous <laughs> line was said, and they couldn't do it. But kind of unfortunate, but it also kind of it, it makes it more funny, I think. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's some kind of it. It almost makes it sound like some kind of parody of of the film, and and I think a lot of people know what they're referencing anyway. So you don't even need to say the name of the film to know what they're talking about.
2: <laughs> well, Whoa. especially later when you get you get that preview of it or where they're watching it, and it's definitely Rick Moranis. Like they're definitely like referencing Rick Moranis' character. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Well, I'm wondering, who is Ghostbusters owned by? Because it appears that the critic was in association with Sony and Columbia TriStar. Or is Ghostbusters universal?
2: I don't know. That's a good question. I, I want to say universal, but not a not 100% on that. I mean, I would imagine whoever released the 2016 one would be the studio that owns the rights. Uh and I wouldn't think those rights would have changed hands, I don't think. I, I would assume that they've always been at the same studio. But yeah. I, don't, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know either.
1: Hmm. Everything else is sacred. The Ghostbusters is the only thing sacred. Everything else, right <laughs> yeah. for the picking. Which you can't yeah. hey, Gotta Gotta agree with them. Ghostbusters is sacred. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think Melissa's right, though. I think the fact that if it was like, well, we can't say Ghostbusters, so they change it to Ghost Chasers, like it does make it even that much funnier.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You still, even if you don't know Ghostbusters, you know what they're referencing. Even if you're not a Ghostbusters fan, you still get the joke.
2: Mm-hmm. And, of course, Jay would be the critic who didn't like the first two, you know, yeah. he says, like, oh, I'm making a sequel to a sequel to a movie that I don't even think they should have made <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> mm. uh, and that's that's where the character really walks, like, a fine line, because, like, he is a character that's, like, he he doesn't like mainstream pop culture, obviously. Like, all these movies he makes fun of, like, he... He obviously doesn't like what mainstream audiences like, uh, but he's, he's I, still likable.
0: <laughs> I, in some ways, relate to Jay on his uh, movie opinions. <laughs> 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 I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> I have many strong opinions on many different films and. Yeah, I I'm I'm with Jay on <laughs> I'm I'm yeah S- similarities there on on film tastes.
2: <laughs> I have to say I'm bummed that we never got a uh preview of Dennis the Menace to Society, which is something yeah, that they well, reference in this one.
1: <laughs> well, I think we I think we get it in season two actually. Oh, do we? Yeah. Because it's it's clearly Walter Matthau's uh, Dennis the Menace, uh, Mr. Wilson.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, he does like a drive-by shooting on his big <laughs> wheel, I think.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that kid's a pain in the ass. <laughs>
2: You're right. Yeah. See, season two is one I'm I'm not as fluent with as season one, so I, I'm looking forward to to checking that one out because I know there's going to be a lot of stuff that I've forgotten from season two.
1: Um. I do like that we get our, our Ed Koch reference again at this <laughs> one to the 50 foot Ed Koch. How am I doing? How am I doing? How am I doing?
2: Which again is like something when I watched this show as a kid, I was like, I had no idea who Ed Koch was, but I just immediately associate him with this version. Now, when I think of Ed Koch, I think of, uh, how am I doing? How am I doing?
1: <laughs> yeah. That. And, uh, you ever heard of a movie called the Hebrew hammer?
2: No, I've never heard of that one.
1: It's—I think it was a Comedy Central movie. It's like I call it a Jewish Shaft.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: essentially what it is, and uh, they make—they uh, Adam Goldberg's character goes to the J.J.L. the Jewish Justice League, and uh, they make—they make—they make a reference to Ed Koch in that they, the the guy, the head of the J.J.L., drops a "How am I doing in there, <laughs> Mister How am I doing?" It like. For if you watch this movie, if you seek this movie out. They do not tiptoe around any stereotypes, man. They they go full bore. They do not care. It, it's done hilariously. You got Andy Dick playing Santa, Santa Claus in it. So, Gosh. <laughs> if you can find it, it's a fun watch. It's it's dumb, but it's fun. I, I get a kick out every time I watch it. So, but I, I do like uh, when Jay finally gets chases down. Uh, he has a studio, and he's tra- he's twisting all of his words around. What did you say about my script? You said it was excellent. I said it was excrement. You said it was excellent. <laughs>
2: uh, I I do love the uh, which it's it's another one that probably gets lost on some younger audience is the Elephant Man for some reason. Yeah, he's like got a bunch of a bunch of girls in his car, and he's like the cool cat in Hollywood. I guess.
1: <laughs> what a <dweeb. laughs> <laughs> i think he makes what two appearances i think in that episode
2: yeah and again it's like another really random thing like i don't even know was the elephant man even relevant I, at this point you know
1: but... well they've been like doing movies and wasn't there a play at one point Hmm.
2: i feel like it was the black and white is the black and white movie is the the only movie that we've gotten isn't it
1: I thought there might have been something more recent than that, but um, I know there was a play or a musical because uh, Mark Hamill, I think, played the Elephant Man on Broadway yeah. or something. But uh, we get a we get a Jimmy Stewart appearance here in this episode too.
2: Hitchcock,
1: is that you? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I do How we love how we end the episode with another Simpsons nod in this episode, how we get the classic star fade at the end of the episode when uh, Jay's in prison watching the Ghost Chasers 3.
2: Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> you get that classic best. Simpsons star fade out. Da, 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 da.
2: It's the best date he's been on in a long time.
1: <laughs> I got you some popcorn. <laughs> Any final thoughts on L.A. Jay?
2: Uh, it's it's a good episode. Like I said, I I think this is <clears throat> this is one of his episodes that really shows like what what the series I think could have done more of with just Jay interacting with you know Hollywood types and even just him going out to L.A. was just like Melissa said, it was kind of cool to get him out of his like the New York you know his element and. You know interacting with the actual people making the movies. I would have liked to have seen more of that in the series, yeah,
1: we get that uh shot of Arnold too late at night in the studio unzipping his muscles <laughs>
0: <Yes. Yeah. laughs> Can't have anybody know
1: <laughs> nobody must know. <laughs> All right, moving right along. Episode 10, Dr. J. While at the Cannes Film Festival, Jay comes to the rescue when Duke is diagnosed with a terminal illness. Jeremy, thoughts on Dr. J.? Uh,
2: I'm trying to... I know this is the one where Duke gets sick. I I think this is also the one where... um, Is this the one with the uh, Phillips vision where he's altering movies? Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, this is a a good episode, especially with the, um, you know, some of the changes that he makes to the movies, like the Spartacus with the Smokey and the Bandit (laughs) (laughs) tie-in.
0: Nobody gets away from Centurion Buford C. Augustus. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Again, like just so much randomness with a lot of this stuff. It's it's so great. Just the mashups that they do. Um it yeah, this is this is a good one. I um I'm trying to think some of the other high points to this one. Um Yeah, I I'm gonna let you guys kinda take the reins on this. This is one I'm not I can't remember a whole lot of detail about. Maybe he'll come back to me as you guys as you guys talk.
0: I I really like that you know the it's found out that you know only was it four how long it oh, I can't remember anyway. Well, Duke
1: only has four years to live.
0: Four years to live. There we go. <laughs> and and that you know like suddenly you know Jay you know really cares about about his his boss and wants to do everything to kind of. To help him, and so he creates the the serum that'll you know save his life and and the, I really like when he's you know needing the rats to you know to test on to test the thing out and oh are you gonna eat them and, oh I'm gonna test them on the thing and um you know then I'll eat them <laughs> and but I also really like that you know they. They end up at um, at a hotel and, you know, oh, how's your room? And, you know, if you want to see my, see an absolute disgrace, come and see my room. And it's like this elaborate, really fancy room. And, and I wanted the white tigers. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this episode. It's It's not one that would be ranked really sort of high on my list, but... I I did enjoy it, um, nonetheless, anyway. And I, I, I like the, you know, the Smokey and the Bandit reference because, you know, that's that's one of my, one of many of my favorite films. And so it was hilarious to, you know, hear the line, yeah, nobody gets away from Centurion Buford C. Augustus. <laughs> 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 so I thought, I thought that was really funny. And, and um, yeah, I, I did enjoy this, this episode a lot.
1: I do like the opening of this episode when they're at the Cannes Film Festival and get another Marlon Brando joke with him being buried in the sand. I'm standing on top of this hill; <laughs> oh, yeah. you can see, you can see Monte Carlo from here. all these kids buried me in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, he said that the opening, when opening jokes, was like, oh, "Look over it's Holly Hunt and Molly Mellon talking to each other? Keep it down, you two." <laughs> <laughs>
2: This is also where you get the uh, was it the kid's show in in France the the wino or like the
1: wine oh, winey wh- winey Jacques <laughs> <laughs> where well, they split a they split a half of glass of wine. Shane <laughs> <dinner Yes>. <laughs> <and> Marty, do <laughs> it was that last time I drank? I woke up and uh, where did he wake? He said he woke up somewhere and there was. He said he woke up at a zoo and there was a panda or something missing last time he drank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do like the. Uh... The only random thing I have about this episode is when they're at the lab and he's trying to get the rats and he gets. He gets Jay gets sidetracked by the, uh, the rabbit with the makeup. <laughs> No, that be another thing that gets lost on younger viewers. Except, do they? Even, I don't think they even test uh, that kind of stuff in animals anymore now, do they? It's another kind of a dated joke from the '90s.
2: Yeah, and I I remember there's a Doctor Kravorkian joke in this one too, where uh, yeah. Duke is on like the suicide machine.
1: Yeah, we could always run him down in the parking lot.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> 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 to the death mobile. <laughs>
2: yeah I had had forgotten that the Phillips vision was like where we got some of those uh, like the the Spartacus thing like for some reason I thought that was something that Jay had talked about on coming attractions I had forgotten that it was part of Duke's thing yeah
1: and he uh, he also does the James Cagney giving his endorsement for the machine (laughs) (laughs) It's just funny because I was at work today, and uh, driver was making a James Cagney reference, doing it. Yeah, yeah, like making a fucking James Cagney reference.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't the other one that he does? uh, One flew over the cuckoo's nest.
1: Oh yeah, with Nurse Ratchet taking her clothes off, and uh... (laughs) I think that comes back too. I thought they did another one too with uh, like a laundry commercial with.
0: Uh, uh Phillips detergent. The... Yeah.
1: I <laughs> get those sheets so white. And they did the uh, ending of Casa He changes the ending of Casablanca, too.
2: <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't, uh, doesn't the chief in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, like, isn't that what you're referring to, where he, like, recommends, like, some laundry detergent or something? Like, Duke mm-hmm. Phillips laundry detergent. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then Nurse Ratchet goes, I use it on my color while my wife's in my colors and takes her clothes off. But I think that's a that has to be a deep cut reference there, too, because I remember hearing on the set of uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I, I can't think of the name of the actress that played Nurse Ratchet, but she, on the, when filming wrapped, she took her clothes off on set because just the like, do something out of the ordinary because she had to play like this straight laced strict character the whole time, this villain. So she just stripped down right after she got done r- wrapping her stuff. So like, Oh, that's good call on. That's a deep cut there on the writers of this episode to throw a little tease into that too.
2: Hmm. Yeah. I think there's, there's probably a lot of that, like, I think Melissa was saying, like, with the studio thing, like, I'm sure there's, like, a lot of these jokes are probably, like, you know, <laughs> references to some something that actually happened to somebody or, you know, some kind of true, like, event that we don't know about.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it almost, it almost makes you think how, you know, a little bit ridiculous some of these things could be in, in that, you know, in studios and just their views on things and you know, yeah, it it could be very well something happened and they just decided, you know what, we're gonna, you know, write about it and put it in an episode and and have it with humor and, you know. Um, but yeah, it's just that that sort of out of touch people, you know, it's that's what happens when you have a lot of money hovering around you. It's like you know, you kinda lose touch with reality a little bit. <laughs>
2: Oh, I, I did want to mention, this is uh, also where we, on the coming attractions, we get, uh, this obviously took place before there was a Jurassic Park 2, because we get Jay Sherman's version of Jurassic Park 2, yeah. <laughs> The yeah. Revenge of the Raptors. <laughs>
1: yeah, that, that was, if I, if I could live and, if I could pick one movie to see out of all the parodies to I think that'd be the one. You can't put a, you can't put a raptor in a closet. They're just too smart. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: I'd love that Jay is on the set. Like, he's obviously exhausted, but he's like yawning. He's like, ah, oh, here's Jurassic Park 2. And he's <laughs> just <laughs> completely not interested.
3: <laughs>
1: this will also get a lot of the uh, running gag of Duke thinking Jay is gay, too.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gay. Okay.
1: Or <laughs> at the end of the episode when he finds a cure for Luke Phillips, he's going have anything you want. Anything? Oh God.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I love the the uh, the video compilation at the end of the episode too, with like all these yeah. people like, who are obviously terrible people? It's like, like a seal clubber and a like a
1: coup Klan member,
2: Gaddafi, yeah.
1: and then uh, Jay's cellmate from the episode before is one of yes. the guys, too. <laughs> Thanks to Jay's oil, those streets will run red with blood. Yes. <laughs> What was the final concoction? Oh, it had Snapple in it. And it took him sneezing on the hamster for it to work.
2: Yes.
3: <laughs>
1: All I gotta do is inject eight ounces of this into my eyeballs every, every eight, four hours. and I did love the gag, too, when they're meeting with the doctor in France. And uh, he says that how Jay's going to outlive him. He's like, this guy will... I have a long life of back pain and knee problems till he chokes to death on olive loaf or uh, (laughs) chokes to death on a ham sandwich in the bathtub. Who? Could it be olive loaf?
2: Yeah, because I, I, I can't remember if it's this episode, but wasn't there an episode where Duke like talks about like his exercise regimen or something? And it's like Yeah, that that's stuff.
1: coming up in that's coming up in season two. Like there's
2: okay.
1: like that's like fifteen <laughs> seconds of exercise. Yeah. It's like tossing yeah. Jay around like a medicine ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any last thoughts on Dr. J?
2: No, I think uh, I think that's it for that one for me. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, moving along. Number eleven: A day at the races and a night at the opera. Now, this is the one description I didn't think quite fit the episode very well, but uh, Jay tries to help Marty overcome an inferiority complex by taking him to see his psychiatrist. And that one, I like. The psychiatrist doesn't didn't play a huge role in the episode. It was just a quick scene, so. Yeah. Now, Jeremy what are your thoughts on this episode
2: uh, The one thing I, I Stands out about this one right away Is I remember this is the one where it's uh, the, It's got the uh, Silence of the Lambs movie funny
1: oh, I ate uh, the kids Yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, but yeah, uh, I, I remember you do get uh, obviously some stuff with Jay and his wife in this one because they're both like, you know, attending Marty's, um, I think he's like track. He's trying field out Field day. Yeah, field day. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think, uh, kind of looking through the episode. Um, yeah, for some reason there's like the... the which I think is a reference to Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, like the demon guy that pops up constantly throughout the episode. Yeah. Uh, And I had to to remember, I was like, was that, is that a reference to Dragon? Like, I guess that did come out around this time.
1: Could be. I'm not a huge (laughs) martial art fan, but it might be.
2: I mean that's he looks exactly like that in the movie, so that's the only thing I can think of, and it it, it is it does come in when Marty's doing like a martial arts class. Yeah. And obvious, obviously, yeah. we get the the uh, <laughs> the belly, uh, <laughs> the belly. Of, I, I, Whatever you want to call it, with Marty with his belly, I can't really cross yeah. it. Yeah, that that
0: was that was one of my my favorite parts of that. That you know he goes to play the guitar and the string breaks and he's like, well, I, there is one thing I know how to do, and he's, <laughs> he starts just moving his belly and <laughs> and then, like everybody loves it and gets involved and um, I think I think that's hilarious. They kind of you know, they think, "Oh no! Like this is, you know, what's this kid gonna do?" And then they absolutely love what he does. So, um, you know, I really like that. And then, you know, Marty trying really hard at field day and and ultimately failing at almost everything, and <laughs> and then getting basically at the end of it, you know, the pity award of you know. <laughs> so. I really, I really like this episode. I thought it was, I thought it was good. Um, nice to see more of of Marty and interacting with him because, like, I mean, we we do see him quite often, but not for, you know, sort of an extended period of time. So it was nice to see him again and a little bit more interactions. And um, so I, I really like to see that too.
1: I really think uh Marty's principal is one of the standout characters in this episode too cuz this is when he gets a lot of his cracks a lot of his jokes like when Marty goes to do the long jump and he cracks at Marty hey you actually went backwards. you'd have been better off just standing there and laughing in his face or when he wraps up the I love when he wraps up the ceremony and he goes much like the real UN a lot of heated jumbling went on and nothing got accomplished and we send the bill to Uncle Sam much yeah. like the real UN
3: <laughs>
1: <And>
3: <laughs> or
1: later on the talent show when he says like uh, students to uh, like students in the crowd if you you're from the country of Chad your country just changed its name to uh, what's they change the name to but to something else because they think the chicks will dig it. Or when he tells Marty hey the Pope and uh, Nelson Mandela in the crowd and they're ready to rock ready to party so better make it good.
2: <laughs> well, this is also the episode I, I believe where Duke tells the audience like to watch Jay for a month, and if they don't laugh, he's gonna like pay him or something. And yeah, pay him a hundred bucks to- if
1: he doesn't laugh. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we get that scene with uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar treating him like a ventriloquist <laughs> dummy. Yes. I have a, I have a PhD. Okay, Doctor Nothead. <laughs> <laughs> This is where you get the. You mentioned it earlier, Melissa. Uh, the rear window on his uh, boxer shorts when he rips them in court.
0: Yep. <laughs> I may have laughed a little too hard at that, but then you know they well, really laughed at you know Edward Plunger hands. So.
1: <laughs> well. Well, that also makes you wonder, because in, in that same scene, the lawyer is also doing like a Jimmy Stewart impression, so I wonder which came first, the putting Rear Window on his boxers or doing the Jimmy Stewart impression for the lawyer?
0: <laughs> uh, I'm thinking probably the boxer's idea, and then they thought, oh, well, let's have the Jimmy Stewart um, <laughs> impression after that. <laughs>
1: so you have to, you have to assume like, one joke had to give way to the other. Yeah. Unless they're going for like that Mr. Smith goes to Washington thing.
0: Maybe.
2: We also get the uh Jay Sherman uh bug spray.
1: Yeah, the cockroach spray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: it, just, it just turns the roaches into J. Sherman.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or the old man that confuses him for Jerry Lewis. Well it's not very <laughs> funny, but the stuff he does for the, those kids is unbelievable.
2: <laughs> Oh, yeah, you get a good Rain Man reference with him and Marty dressed, you know, dressed like they did in uh, The Rain Man. You get that uh, sequence where they're coming down the escalators. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is another one I don't feel like I've watched enough because there's a lot of things that I'm, I'm forgetting about in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean I mean I obviously remember Marty with the guitar and two in the belly belly stuff.
1: It was one I had to rewatch right before I uh, we turned the mics on. I had to rewatch this one right when I got home from the gym just cuz it was probably one of the, one episode that was probably like the least vivid in my memory and I had just rewatched it like 2 days ago. So for some reason I thought it was an episode. Uh, for some reason I thought it was a season two episode. For some reason I did never yeah, really associated it
2: with season one. Yeah, that's what I would have guessed too. I I feel like I had forgotten that this one was in season one.
0: It's funny how you you know you remember certain episodes and and then there's ones that kind of fall. Like, you forget and maybe sort of fall by the wayside a little bit. Not, you know, not meaning that they're any less good, but just that, oh, yeah, you have to watch it again to, to sort of remember, oh, yeah, this is what happened. Or you, or you missed something the first time, and you go back and watch it. It's like, oh, I missed that. Like, how did I miss that the first time? But then it makes it even, you know, more funny.
2: I do love the uh, flash forward to Marty as he's older, doing his stage show, and his dad's in the audience, and he's like the world's fattest man, or something.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Just something you see numerous times with Jay too, because I think they use like as a. they have like a file photo of him <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> being that large too?
2: Yeah. Whenever he's missing or something, it's like our archive photo or whatever. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Closing thoughts on a day at the races.
0: Fun episode. I I like it.
2: It's it's fun. I it, but like I said, it's definitely one I'd probably need to revisit more because there's a lot of stuff I had forgotten about in that one.
1: the, yeah, the demon guy singing Frankie Valley in the guitar store. Big girls <laughs> don't cry. <laughs>
2: Again, like it's such a random, like I, I, it's definitely like referencing Dragon the Bruce Lee story, but I guess it's one of those, like, unless you like saw that movie, I guess, when this episode air, like, it's one that would probably get lost on people.
1: <laughs> yeah. But even if they're not familiar, they could probably still just associate it something to do with martial arts or kung fu.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Moving on to episode 12, Uneasy Rider. Jay quits his show to become a truck driver after he's asked to promote Savvy Indian Chewing Tobacco on the show. So this is, we get a cameo from Rex Reed in this episode too. Uh, Jeremy, thoughts on Uneasy Rider?
2: Uh, well, we get the much anticipated follow-up to Wolf with Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer. Chicken. Uh, chicken. <laughs> <laughs>
3: cluck cluck. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and probably my favorite um from coming attractions because it is the most random is Rocky Six, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4. And it's literally yes. just Rocky and Leatherface squaring off in the ring.
1: <laughs> this is the movie I want to see. <laughs> Rocky versus Leatherface.
2: It's like the most laziest one, but it's so hilarious when you just see Leatherface break out the chainsaw. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> it makes no sense at all. Like it's it's absolutely nonsense, but it's so hilarious.
1: People would see it though.
2: Oh yes, yes. <laughs>
1: It sat through a couple Alien vs. Predator movies. They'd sit through Rocky vs. Leatherface.
2: I mean, we, we live in a world where we have Freddy vs. Jason now. so I mean, Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Jay becomes a truck driver in this one, which is kind of... I mean, I didn't expect an episode with that kind of plot line, but um, yeah, this one has a lot of good stuff. I, I love that he goes back to the talent manager guy or like his his job guy that we saw in like an earlier episode, I think when he was working towards the, he's the guy that got him the English for cab driver's job,
1: yeah, I stood up for you, and everybody else was so of that bumber.
2: <laughs> and isn't this the one where you also get uh Duke Phillips has that room with the seal that's criticized in movies or? Or reviewing movies like likes and dislikes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he said uh, what the trigger word to get him to stop was
2: "last action hero." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love all of Duke Phillips's like secret like, <laughs> <laughs> like like secret labs and rooms where he has all this stuff going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Definitely, I wonder. Almost wonder if Ted Turner did have that kind of that kind of stuff going on too. That dude, like we talked about, the, the the Phillips Vision had to take a shot at a uh, Ted Turner doing colorizing films back in the '90s too.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> remember they did a they did a shot at that on in Living Color back in the '90s too with uh, their colorized films. They had them like put black actors in in classic films or something like that, like Billy D. Williams and Casablanca and all that stuff.
2: Well, like, again, I think it's just, there's so many things like I can think of that we've seen since this show has aired that I'm like, Oh, I would love to see the critics take on that. You know, you know, I could see the critic playing with George Lucas and what he, you know, added to star Wars with the special editions and, You know, even like the superhero movies, you know, the stuff that we see with superhero movies, like I would, I would love to see the critics take on, on some of that stuff that we have now.
1: Just franchises in general, how we have a plethora of franchises.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there would definitely be plenty of franchise jokes for sure. Um. Yeah, we also get, uh, speaking of, you know, Melissa likes Smoky and the Bandit, we, we get, uh, another Smoky and the Bandit reference in this one with the, uh, <laughs> with the Buford, uh, Buford T. Justice and his, and his son on the road with Jay pulling him over. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, this episode, honestly, um, I think is definitely ranks high on my on my list of favorites. Um I thought this one was the most funny with just like lines and and even some just um like background stuff. Like there was the one thing that the um I don't know what you the it was the, the place called Hey Judo. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that I was just I noticed that, and it was something that I was just killing myself laughing over. It was so funny, and and <laughs> and I love when when Jay he's gonna go get the job as a trucker, and and so the guy he's asking him questions, and and uh, and one of the questions is, you know, you see that eye chart over there? Yes, good, you passed. <laughs> <laughs> And I and I love the the trucker that's got the the Sean Connery voice and the the accent. <laughs> and and the other ones that I really really loved was was the, um, the watching TV whatever and at ten o'clock the best of Chevy Chase at ten o five the news. <laughs> <laughs>
2: When well, right. we get like a Thelma and Louise cameo, where Jay like <laughs> looks at and they they drive over the cliff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one this one just has so much humor packed into it, and um, yeah, I I really really enjoyed this one. I, I loved it a lot. Cause it just it, it had me laughing all the way through.
1: This ranks towards the top of some of my favorite episodes, too. I, I love the sight gag when he's driving the helium truck and he's too heavy. <laughs> <laughs> he gets out of the truck and the truck just floats away.
3: <laughs>
1: I, do lo- I do love the stuff with Rex Reed, too. We get Rex Reed a little bit in there, too. And he... Duke hires Rex Reed to take his place, and oh he gets like, oh Rex Reed's developed a nasty chewing tobacco habit. He just sits there and he, uh, humming the song to himself, and he's So the first load Jay has to take in his truck is a truckload of savvy Indian chewing tobacco.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: or he had to go had to go get the the truckload of uh politically correct history books. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I love the uh, the Philadelphia parody with Jerry oh, Lewis. Oh yeah, <laughs>
1: Schenectady, Schenectady
2: Yeah, <laughs> I was wondering Schmelven. what
1: episode that was in.
2: <laughs> nice lady.
1: Schmelvin, Halvin, Hassel, and
2: Yeah, I, I love I love that Duke gets the other guy to take over the coming attraction show while Chase's gone. <laughs> and he comes back and he's like, he basically comes back to almost beg for his job back, and he's like, "You're hired."
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think was it, I think I think Rex Reed's still alive, actually. So I know he had a cameo in one of the Superman movies back in the day, one of the original, like probably the first. Christopher e. Superman, Rex Reed has a cameo on that. So, no, he's a legit uh, critic.
2: Well, I've been surprised, like, um, with the series. I mean, surprised but not surprised. I mean, there's, yeah, yeah we do have some really amazingly talented voice actors, but I, there's some that I feel like the people did their own voices. Like, I know in an early episode, there's, like, Adam West makes a cameo, and... I'm pretty yep. sure it's Adam West. I don't think it's somebody doing Adam West.
1: Yeah, I believe it's the episode. Uh, I think it's the marathon episode. No, yeah. it's, the, it's, oh, it's the eye. It's the eye in the prize episode when he's doing the thousandth episode because <laughs> Meryl Streep canceled, so they got Adam West instead.
2: What the hell am I gonna say to Adam West? <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> well, that's enough time. I just sat here. <laughs>
2: Which, knowing knowing Adam West, you know, what he would go on to do, I mean, it's, it's probably not surprising that Adam West would do something like this. I mean, he yeah. had that kind of sense of humor, so.
1: And it had to be right around the time he was starting to embrace playing Batman, too. Mm-hmm. I know there was, for a while, he was in, embarrassed by that and stuff. And so probably getting to about the time where he was starting to embrace it more and more.
2: I will be honest I I haven't watched any Family Guy since Adam West passed. I know they, so I think they have Sam Elliott now on there as like the mayor of Quahog, and I've been curious to see how since. that how that works. But I uh, Adam West was always one of my favorite characters on that show.
1: Well, he he's like he was like the Franklin of that. Mm, they never yeah. know what the weird <laughs> shit he was going to say. I do I. I don't think I've watched it since there. I've watched a little bit, but I didn't notice they replaced him. It's like him. He passed away. And then Carrie Fisher passed away mm-hmm. too. And so replacing Angela on there.
2: Well, and I mean, you know, speaking of, you know, family guy, I feel like, you know, the critic in a, in some way kind of paved the way a little bit for family guy. I mean, the critic, you know, obviously beat family guy to the punch but they were doing these cutaway gags and stuff you know long before family guy and family guy obviously has become very much known for that that's one of their their sticks you know with that show and um yeah i mean the critic was doing it you know back back when it was on um doing these little side gags and you know flashbacks and to a joke and um Yeah, so, I mean, just another example of I think the critic was a little ahead of its time.
1: They just did it right and didn't rely on it.
2: Yeah. (laughs) They
1: they rely on good writing.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, Closing thoughts on Uneasy Writer.
0: One of my favorite episodes. A lot of fun. Super funny.
2: Uh, I mean, Jay on a road trip, I mean, it's there's a lot of really good gags and stuff that they did with that. So it was it was a good episode.
1: And he has to bring back the snow globe to prove that he made it to Florida. <laughs> we'll
2: have to, the sign for, what is it, leaving Miami will get you next time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or when he wishes on the meteor, the shooting star, and it goes through an Ace Ventura billboard.
3: Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you, God. (laughs) All right. We finally reached the last episode of season one. Episode 13, a pig boy and his dog. Inspired by her son's portly figure, Eleanor writes a children's book called The Fat Little Pig, and Jay becomes a laughingstock. Jeremy, your thoughts on the last episode of season one.
2: Oh, this is this is another great uh, episode with Jay and his parents. Uh, obviously his mom, um, but I, I have to point out how this episode opens with Jay and Jeremy at the theater watching Jeremy Hawk's new movie, and it's like a, I guess it's supposed to be a Disney picture, but it's like Pinocchio, but Jeremy's like a...
1: A cockroach?
2: Yeah, he's like a cockroach, and he starts singing, you know... I for some reason when Jeremy Hulk says chunder it just cracks me up. <laughs>
1: Have a drink and then you'll chunder.
2: <laughs> uh, but Robin Williams as the as the fairy and was it Arnold Schwarzenegger as Geppetto?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as the he, Robin Williams is the beige fairy.
2: Yeah, the beige fairy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and this is this is also the episode where we get that great gag that I mentioned earlier where that Jay adopts this dog and the dog's eating something out of the fridge and Jay's like, Oh, cold gravy with the skin on it <laughs> and he starts
1: eating it. <laughs> yeah, We also get the gag of him falling over like a, a bowling pin again when he gets it with yes. a bottle.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and probably one of my favorite Franklin lines is where he has the underwear and a banana sticking out of his ear. Oh, yeah. He says, you probably wonder why I have a banana in my ear. I'm trying to lure the monkey out of my head.
1: (laughs) It's also the same as the statue at their old old school, too. It's the same.
2: (laughs) And it's a a funny gag where Jay's mom, like, has the... uh, I I guess she has, like, a guy come over to deliver her groceries, and he's obviously trying to, like... (laughs) Get with her, and she's completely oblivious. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's another good one. Like I was just was sitting there watching. Like how's this the guy like the world's clummiest bag boy?
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, sorry, the oil got all over my chest.
1: Look, it's his shirt stuck in the pantry door. <laughs> it just rips right off. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Uh, we also get, um, a Ross Perot, uh, reference cameo in this one, which is something I feel like, you know, some people may not remember, but, um, yeah. and I love the Ted Kennedy cameo in this. <laughs> I didn't come with pants and I'm not leaving with pants. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My favorite part. And, I uh, also had, uh, who was Ross Perot's running mate back in the nineties? Oh, um,
2: um... He was the one that Phil Hartman would always uh, play when they did it on SNL. He would say gridlock all the time. Gridlock. <laughs> yeah. yeah but
1: him being in this episode, too, with the uh, front, doing the dancing with Franklin, doing the Russian dance with yes. Franklin.
2: <laughs> and I love uh, Eleanor's uh, flashback, and it's like driving Miss Daisy. Yeah. <laughs> When the revolution comes, you will not be spared. <laughs> she was like, my oh, best yeah. friend. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a good, you know, Jay's mom writes that children's book that's obviously a play on Jay being like a, a pig, the little piggy. And I think this is where we also got the uh, Marlon Brando Barney in this episode.
1: I think um, so was. Uh, is that or Harry, is that or Harry the Hippo with uh, Madonna?
2: Yeah, uh, we did get Robo Clapper though. I do remember yeah. that. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> uh, I I want to go to Phillips Land, Duke Phillips' yeah. theme park.
1: <laughs> go on the Fat Little Pig ride.
2: Yeah, the the hog chucker or something—I think is what it was called. He's like, hack him, hack him,
1: <laughs> <laughs> landing on a bunch of dirty old mattresses and shit.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. This is this is this is a good episode. I like. I said I like anything with with Jay's parents at kind of the forefront.
1: Yeah, we get uh This is where we get the uh, Home Improvement references too with. uh, Frank going back to talk to a, an owl. Well, it's talks to a, what talks to what, a scarecrow the first time he goes out back to talk to her. And then he talks to what, an owl.
2: Yeah, he talks. Yeah, the frog ribbit. A ribbit. <laughs> ribbit. Need a ribbit. <laughs> ribbit. Ribbit. you Ribbit
0: ribbit, My wife Eleanor, who? My wife Eleanor, who?
1: <laughs> Franklin hanging on the crossbeam with uh, the crazy glue and the hard hat. <laughs>
2: I, I love when <laughs> I love when Eleanor comes in and says to Franklin like oh my life has just you know become this endless grey corridor and he's like oh I've been there and he says something about like there was a guy at the end of it that had make googly eyes at him or something he called him Mr. P- Mr. Picker Meanie or something <laughs> like, it makes no sense it's so random <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it is ironic that they do the home improvement and this is probably on purpose, but apparently like home improvement was one of the reasons that the critic didn't do so well, I guess on Fox, because, uh, that was a show that, you know, I obviously was very popular, but, um, a lot of people, I guess, didn't tune in for the critic. They tuned in for home improvement.
1: Oh, so once it made the switch, that was their competition.
2: Yeah, that's what I gathered. Um, and it is funny because I think at the end of this episode, Jay even makes reference of, "Oh, well, stay tuned for Home Improvement." Um, so I, I, I've taken that as like it was kind of a wink nod, you know, to the fact that you know Home Improvement was doing way better than the critic, I guess, on Fox.
1: Yeah, at the end when uh, it was Eleanor's riding the dog and Franklin's riding a <laughs> rhinoceros for some reason. <laughs>
2: Yeah, for for no reason at all.
1: <laughs> and then Jay's uh, riding the sleigh pulled by pigs. But, uh, yeah. we get a good another Jurassic Park reference in this too when uh, the dog starts getting bigger, and you get the, like the T Rex breakout scene. At least put me in a better Spielberg movie.
0: Yes, <laughs> in <English>, Jaws. <Josh. laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know how that's the better movie, but That's for another rainy day story. Well, Cuz it is, but
1: <laughs> we can talk about how Melissa's wrong later. So
2: <laughs> Yeah, I got it pulled up here. He does like at the end of the episode, he says, uh, "Good night, critic fans, and a special good night to all those just tuning in for home improvement." <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I I love one of the scenes when they have the, like the mob of people going after Jay and they corner him and um you know the oh there's he has a little kind of impassioned speech and then oh there's you know there's a little pig in all of us and and then the guy he's like get him for showing us truth about ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I also love the uh, part where Franklin's talking to the uh, stuffed fat piggy on the couch as if it's Jay. (laughs) He's like trying to hook him up with like Barbie.
1: And he's he's, she's got a boyfriend named Ken. Believe me, I checked. He's not really a
3: man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh.
1: Yeah. Welcome to the We Love Franklin Sherman podcast.
2: Oh man, we need more Franklin Sherman in our lives. That's for sure. Especially <laughs> this day and age. <laughs> that's Almost something. Made. Somebody, somebody on T Public or Redbubble needs to make some Franklin Sherman uh, t-shirts.
0: Can you? Pl- <laughs> Can you please get out of my head? He must have been reading my mind because I was just gonna say I there needs to be a shirt that says I heart Franklin Sherman. <laughs>
1: well if they if they let anybody if they let anybody uh make shirts for them, I'll make one that says like Milknoff <laughs> Send it to them. Yes.
2: <laughs> It should it should be like uh Frank Sherman in that like you know the the, the artist that did the uh, Obama Hope one and just have like Franklin Sherman, and just have that underneath instead of hope. Say milk and all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Like somebody about, needs to do that.
1: In about 16 years, we better be seeing more Baby 37 stuff with Franklin. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, they write themselves. I mean, you could have a shirt where it says, "Who wants to party with Baby 37?" and have them <laughs> on there dancing. <laughs> You'd have to have one with the statue of him with the banana coming out of his ear. Yeah. (laughs) Yep.
1: (laughs) Um, uh, Final thoughts on the season one finale episode?
0: Really good.
2: I'd forgotten that it was the finale um, until I did this rewatch. I... I mean, it's a great episode. I love this episode, but uh, I'd I'd forgotten that it was the season finale. But yeah, um, yeah, like I said, any of the episodes where you get a lot of Jay with his parents is uh, always top tier for me. So, <laughs> like we just talked about, we could we could take whole episodes of just Franklin. <laughs> yeah, so
1: <laughs> and. It- it's pretty stays true to the show from the from the pilot episode, and it, it once again it plays back on how Eleanor cares for Jay when she decides to kill off the fat little pig in the book. What was it? Uh, the fat little pig gets cooked or gets roasted or something like that is the book, yeah. <laughs> it has a heart attack. Doesn't he have a yeah, heart attack he or a, something?
2: Has <laughs> yeah, something very ironic uh, to Jay because it's like he had a heart attack or something, and yeah. And
1: uh and it stays also stays true to it also plays into the joke about Jay playing into the joke of his weight. Because it's not like Eleanor creates a book just to throw shade at Jay. It's mm-hmm. she witnesses him like singing this song about his candy bar and it's <laughs> <gets> her inspiration. <laughs> Three hours talking about the critic. It's longer than the series itself. I think it's longer than a watch through season one. <laughs> but you know what? I had fun.
0: Yes.
2: Yes. And I've got a lot of ideas now. I, I need to find a way to make the Frank Sherman, <laughs> Franklin Sherman shirts happen for sure.
1: Yeah. Me and you will work together. So I'm also a graphic designer like you.
2: Oh, nice.
1: I went to school for graphic design.
2: Yeah, that's uh, I'm uh, I'm working towards my bachelor's right now, so
1: I hope you have better luck with it than I did. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, there's uh, uh, print printing and stuff is really big here in the Midwest, um, so there's plenty of industry here <laughs> for me. But,
1: <laughs> but um, so, closing thoughts on season one, or any questions that anybody had for the panel?
2: Uh, what would be your guys' favorite coming attraction from season one? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) that's gonna take
0: three hours.
1: (laughs) We had three already to think about it.
2: I, I know for me, as as simple and as ridiculous it is, it has to be the Rocky Six Texas Chainsaw Massacre Four. Because yeah. just the randomness of it makes no sense at all. It's literally so lazy, but it cracks me up every time I see it.
1: <laughs> I'd say same either that or the Jurassic Park or Jurassic Park Two or being being a fan of those. Arnold movies from the eighties, Rabbi Pi. I would, I would definitely give that a watch too.
2: Mm. And obviously, the Arthur <laughs> Revenge of the Lither is, yeah. is, is a classic one as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think for me, like, yeah, Jurassic Park two and um, Home Alone five. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> a sequel nobody asked for because you don't really need a one after Home Alone two.
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> and probably the uh, indecent proposal too, just for the closing line where he just says thank you and good night. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just the Jay, random
2: just... Jay's reaction just yawning like oh <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, at least he got one minute to do the horizontal bop in that episode. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so we glossed over that while his mom's watching that review. <laughs> she loses <Yes>. her appetite, <laughs> switches over to celebrity autopsy. <laughs> oh,
3: this
2: is much better. <laughs> oh.
1: well, one of the good Franklin moment we skipped over from the pilot episode is when, uh, Jay 's parents and Margot are watching Jay talk about uh Valerie's movie, and he goes, "No on this TV, I think his nose is bigger than my foot.
2: <laughs> Isn't that incredible?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love the, uh, I can't remember which episode it is, but the where you see the guy selling TVs at the store and he clicks over to Jay and he he belches really loud and turns off the, the people who are going to buy a TV. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh.
1: Well, I think it'd be silly to ask who his favorite character was from the show.
2: well i know i said at the beginning it's always either between duke and franklin but i think after our discussion tonight i think franklin is probably top tier for me um i I mean obviously jay is jay is is great obviously but man for if i had to go secondary characters it's got to be franklin yep
0: absolutely i'm in agreement on that one
1: uh, make it a clean sweep, but I do think, like, I do love, I do love the principal too, the principal mangasutu I do love him too.
2: Which I, th- I feel like we get more of him in season two, don't we? Because I, I feel I like there's f- a little more episodes with Marty in season two.
1: Yeah, uh, there is a few, ep- I believe he does make a few appearances. Uh, I did warn Melissa that, he, like, season two gets a little more cartoony, I feel because when it, make that switch to Fox. It gets a little more cartoony, but still good, which is a little, there's a change in animation style and, uh, yeah,
2: it's definitely, I, I think part of it was, you know, we didn't really talk about it too much, but you know, the critic was, I think the first animated show that was more geared towards adults. I mean, it was a little more adult than the Simpsons. Uh, there wasn't really a, much for kids to really latch onto with The Critic. You know, when you look at The Simpsons, I mean, The Simpsons was a marketing machine. I mean, you had Simpsons everything, even, like, for kids and things like that. I mean, even though it was a lot of adult humor, like, it was still Mm -hmm. family-friendly. And I feel like The Critic was, at least during this first season, it was more geared towards adults. And I think that kind of hurt it in a way, because I think at that point in time, there really wasn't a lot of shows that was going in that direction. Whereas now it's adult animation is much more, you know, popular and, you know, mainstream, but I feel like back then it was kind of a stigma. So I think with season two, I think they, they did try to, like you had mentioned, Jared, they changed the animation a little bit. They added some characters to kind of make it a little more family friendly uh, with Jay and his girlfriend and her daughter and just some little subtle changes that I think they were trying to change the direction of the show to make it fit a little more with, with the mainstream audiences.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, But uh, that, they definitely, it definitely was a show ahead of its time, like way before Adult Swim and where still shows like Family Guy would get resurrected from that or Futurama got resurrected from Adult Swim. Um,
2: this one unfortunately didn't get resurrected. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was like
1: a web. Se- it was a web series like, in the early 2000s, but uh, like a couple like web shorts. but I'd love to see them come back now, and I can't really think. Jay Love, John Lovitz is doing much for work now, unless Adam Sandler has got another bit part for him to play in a movie. <laughs>
2: Well, it's funny because the the Twitter i had seen on his Twitter account, the tweet that i had saw was he had said something about, uh, said, look, I would love to do it, but the critic is not coming back. Sorry, move on. (laughs) (laughs) But you can tell it's very John Lovett's humor with his, his tweet. But yeah, I think he would. I don't see a reason why he wouldn't come back. I mean, he's still, uh, I mean, I don't know if he's done it recently, but, you know, we didn't mention he's he's done tons of voices on The Simpsons. So he yeah. has some reoccurring characters on there. So Including I don't think it's Jay. any. Yeah. Yeah. We, he even had Jay on The Simpsons on an episode. So,
1: well, I think he did three appearances as Jay, actually.
2: Oh, really? Because I, I know he did the one episode where it was wasn't something to do with, like, a film festival. Yep. Yeah,
1: I know that one. Uh, then he's in an episode with uh, that when the hurricane hits and Ned checks himself in the mental institution, he's in the one cell.
2: Oh, yeah, just, yeah. Just saying it
1: stinks over and over again. <laughs> then he's in another one with Artie Ziff where it's like all the characters that John Lovitz plays are sitting at Moe's Tavern and Jay is one of them.
2: Yeah, so I mean... I think those were more like cameos, right? Cause yeah. I know that the film festival one, he's like kind of a main, he like actually comes to town, which I think Matt, I think that was the episode that you say Matt grinning was like, not happy, like trying to promote the critic show, I guess on the Simpsons. Cause it was, yeah. I guess it was supposed to like try to promote like the critic show for people to go check it out.
1: Yeah. Cause then they make the joke at the end of the episode. Hey, maybe you guys can come to New York. And uh, I think Bart says that, hey, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing i remember reading like graining was like trying to get everybody associated with that episode to like take their names off of it and everything and
2: graining's a weird guy man especially over the past you know so many years like he's done a lot of things where i just kind of scratch my head like he's just not the i guess the person i i always thought he was i guess
1: Letting all the time traveler stuff go to his go to his head.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Jared. I think this is this was a show that was ahead of its time. It's it's unfortunate that unlike you know shows like Family Guy and Futurama, it never got a a second chance. Because I think, like we discussed on here with the with this conversation, like there's so many things that this show could do today. Because all this stuff is. You could you could find stuff in the show that probably wouldn't work today, like some of the jokes probably wouldn't land or references. But it's a format, a show format that I think would still work today. And I would love to see the Jay Sherman coming attractions of 2020. Like I I think that's something that would still work, and it's it's something that would get a lot of laughs out of people. So, um, but we do have two seasons of this show to. <laughs> The cherish, I guess.
1: <laughs> Indeed. It, it would be great to see like a web series or YouTube channel just have him riffing on trailers. It's so worth yeah, it. Yeah,
2: I, I, I don't know who owns. I mean, I would assume somebody at Fox or somebody owns the character, Jay Sherman, but you would well, think now it's,
1: it would... Well, now it's Disney now.
2: Yeah, that's true. I mean, but you would think maybe John Lovitz could get some pool and you know, that would be a, that would be a fun, uh, even if it was something you just saw on social media, just like him releasing kind of like the honest trailers, like Jay Sherman doing some coming attractions
1: or something. Yeah, that'd be great.
2: <laughs> um,
1: any other closing thoughts, Jeremy?
2: Uh, no. I mean, it's, uh, we're gonna, I think we're gonna cover season two on another episode, so I'm looking forward to that, and, um, yeah, I mean, you know, much like King of the Hill, this is one of those shows that, King of the Hill got a little more mainstream than The Critic, but, you know, this is one of those, um, my favorite animated series that, unfortunately, doesn't, I feel, get enough love and respect that it should.
1: Agreed. Melissa, closing thoughts on season one of The Critic?
0: Um, yeah, I I really enjoyed the the whole season. There there were a few episodes that were you know fell flat a little bit for me, but I still enjoyed it. I can't I really can't say anything bad about about any of the the episodes or the season. And and what I really liked is how just clever the writing is and the the jokes and references to various things in pop culture and um, you know, poking fun at uh, you know the whole business in in Hollywood and and you know some really great characters in in, in the series that you get to know and and get introduced to and and uh, I, I really like the uniqueness of the show that it's really you know it's it really didn't seem like you know a lot of the other shows that you you see and um you know it's it's different in a good way and um i i really enjoyed it and um yeah
1: <laughs> was it worth the worth the hype
0: i think so yeah i I didn't know what to expect out of you know, watching it but um yeah i didn't i didn't have any expectations going in I just watched it and i I really enjoyed it.
2: Well, it gives me hope that maybe keep playing it in the background. I'll get my wife to finally uh, give it a shot (laughs) because it worked for Futurama. She was never a Futurama fan, but I kept playing it and kept playing it. And she finally got on board. Now she loves Futurama. (laughs) It's a great. not love Futurama.
1: It's a great show. (laughs) (laughs) Well. I guess I don't think I can say add anything else to what you guys have said. This, this show is very much like comfort food to me. Something I can throw on like this or Daria, like we mentioned earlier, something I can just throw on and take a trip back to the nineties. And life was much simpler and get a good laugh at it. And it's definitely a show I've appreciated more as an adult. Cause you start to get more of the references and stuff. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, like I'd say outside the Bill Cosby joke that they make in, the episodes really anything else can pretty much land nowadays. Like, yeah, probably kids aren't going to know who Marlon Brando is really, or the jokes about him getting paid so much money to play these mundane roles or, um, stuff like that, but it, it still works so well. And I do like the running gag of Jay's show always being in trouble and they find ways to work around it and the running jokes pay off and they, they don't steer clear from what the character is supposed to be. They say true to who it's supposed to be. Say, this is what the show is. They stay to it. Yeah, Jay is overweight, but he's in on the joke. Yeah, his parents, his mom's cold to him, but she still cares. So nothing strains too far away. And, of course, Franklin is always hilarious, no matter what. <laughs> so if you haven't seen the show, you can find it on... YouTube, you can find it on Crackle for free or you can be like me and lay down 20 bucks and get it on DVD and watch it whenever the hell you want.
2: Yeah, get those critic sales up on Amazon.
1: <laughs> that's how we get that's how we get the show back.
2: That's right.
1: <laughs> worked for Futurama, worked for Family Guy. <laughs> so Jeremy, thank you for coming on, man.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, I'm always happy to get on and talk about uh, the critic, uh, especially with people who love it as much as I do. So, uh, yeah, I can't thank you enough for having me on.
1: And yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have you back to talk about season two. Maybe we have to do an episode two just on the Simpsons Critic crossover episode two.
2: <laughs> well, you were mentioned in the web series, didn't? Didn't they include the episodes with the DVD collection? I haven't pulled uh, mine out in a while, but I feel like they put those on there.
1: I'll have to check when I go when I dive into season two. I'll definitely check. But they might be on there. They ha- I have some special features on there, but I didn't see what they were specifically. But they might be the webisodes might be on there.
2: Yeah, because I feel like the, I don't feel like they would have left anything off that DVD collection. You feel like they would have just put everything Jay Sherman on there. I mean, where else are you going to get it, right? Well, let's uh, see. <laughs> I got
1: my DVDs within reach here. So let's see. It's not really saying anything in my DVD box for special features. You figured they would.
2: Yeah. I might have to track those down, though. I, I don't even recall if I ever saw those or not.
1: Um, Jeremy, where can our listeners keep up with you if they choose to?
2: Uh, well, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, and Jared introduced me, uh, I have my own podcast called Dark Tower Radio. Um, it's an all Stephen King podcast, which is, uh, other, aside from one episode of The Critic, I mean, it's about as far removed from The Critic and what we talk about on here, as you get, but if you are into Stephen King and um, you like, um, you know, horror talk, uh, you can join me over at my podcast, and you can find it just about anywhere now. I, I just uh, had to check, but I, I am available on Spotify, uh, iTunes, obviously, or Apple Podcasts—I guess is what it's called—Stitcher, um, iHeartRadio, like all the. The ones where you find podcasts, I should be there. And if I'm not, uh, I will be. I'm trying to get it onto the, as many platforms as I can. But uh, if you listen to Jared and Melissa's show here and you've heard Guy Milks, uh, he's my co-host probably about 85-90% of the time on there. So if you enjoy listening to him, you can find him over there with me, Talking Stephen King. Uh, and we're actually at the moment, uh, if you're interested, we're covering The Stand. Uh, limited series on CBS All Access. We're doing it episodically, so we're we're working hard to put an episode out each week, covering each episode of the stand. So if you want to hear our reviews of of those episodes, you can check it out there.
1: Nice, right, and so I can I highly recommend listening to the show. It's it's a great show. I've been fasting a little bit because I haven't watched any of the stand yet. I'm waiting for it to wrap up so I can get knock it all out in one week with a one week free trial from CBS.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely been a ride so far, and I, I'm with you. Even though I am watching it weekly, I am looking forward to it all being on there where I can actually sit down and just kind of do a whole binge of, of the whole series in like a day or so.
1: Yeah, I've been, I've been waiting for that. That we can do the CBS access for one week. I can get it all done then. I ain't, <laughs> paying, I ain't paying 15 bucks.
2: For, I actually like... got lucky because uh, my wife already had CBS All Access for us because she watches a lot of shows on there and I was like, well, sweet. I already have that because I'm going to be watching The Stand and that's all I'll, I'll need it for, so...
1: <laughs> I'll have to reach out to Guy and find out what his nefarious ways are to get stuff.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he can help you out in that department. He, he doesn't pay for much, so... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Get him out of Facebook jail.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, okay. well, Melissa, where can the listeners find you?
0: Well, they can find me on... Um, well, they can find me just on Instagram now. Um, they can find me on Instagram at N 25 And they can also, if they want to, if they have any interest in art, drawing... Um, I have a drawing page called Scribbles of a Wannabe Drawer, so you can follow me on there. And where can they find you, Jared?
1: And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at QCA underscore Mista underscore um, J. Also, I have a special project coming soon. Uh, if you remember Mike Rare, who's been on the show before, uh, he and I are working on a YouTube channel called We Survived the Eighties, where we talk about all those weird, twisted, dark family movies from the eighties that were rated G and PG. So be looking for that on YouTube here pretty soon. But uh, as a podcast as a whole, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Internet Nations Podcast.
0: So yeah, you can you can find us on the on social media, but then you can also find us on our home at Podbean and Apple Podcasts, and now on Google Podcasts. And be sure to um, give us a like, subscribe on all of those, and also um, on Apple Podcasts give us a review, because that helps us be a little bit more noticed. And it would be awesome if you could do that.
1: Awesome. So, once again, Jeremy, on behalf of me and Melissa, thank you for coming on. We'll definitely have it on again to finish Season 2.
2: Yeah, looking forward to it.
1: And for Melissa, I am Jared. This is the United Nations Podcast. And to quote the great Franklin Sherman, who are all you people? (laughs) Thanks for listening. See you next time. once
2: to set it a thousand times.
1: The thoughts and opinions expressed by your ambassadors and their guests are theirs and theirs alone.
0: And do not represent the companies they happen to work with. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next time.